Hello, and welcome to a very special holiday weekend episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy. Are we talking greatest performances, favorite actors today? Uh-uh-uh, I don't think so. We're talking movies themselves. We're totally going off form. And guess what? That's kind of the wild and crazy and just eccentric attitudes that you expect from this podcast. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh, I'm Patrick Remian. Welcome, everyone, to the Academy. So today's episode was inspired by, you know, Patrick and I, we're modern guys. Mm. So we tend to text message each other about movie stuff. It's kind of what movie freaks do. And Patrick had brought up that he was a fan of a website called They Shoot Pictures, Don't They? And I was like, oh, wow, I I look at that one, too. And for those of you who are not familiar with this website, um, it basically is a... um, list of the top 1000 films of all time. And it's curated based upon people's submitting lists. And it's everyone from, you know, Joe Blow to Joe Dante have, have submitted lists to this thing. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. And it's a really like, I couldn't recommend it more as a resource to discover movies or just kind of get like a broad outline of like what you, where you want to go next. Oh, hell yeah. With like your I, movie watching. Every like, yeah, every so often I'll just like, not even joking. I'll get like they have like the master list and I'll close my eyes and like scroll through the list and I'll like click on a random movie and I'll be like, oh, I guess I'm going to watch, uh, you know, uh, Mad Max 2 for the first time mm-hmm. or like I'll watch. Yeah, or I'll watch uh, this Jean-Luc Godard film I've never seen before. And like nine out of ten times, I'm always like, yeah, that was a good movie. This is a good list. <laughs> yeah. And they give little like summaries. They tell you whose list if they're a luminary. Mm-hmm. um the movie appeared on and it's it's just it's really um it's really helpful so patrick hit me to the fact that they're taking submissions right now for top 25s oh yeah baby. Of all time and i and both of us immediately are like you know what let's put together our own lists and it, let's uh you know we could submit them but also let's present them to our listeners because it's a good opportunity to, like you'll off brand get to know us and our taste a little bit better and uh you know, it's been it's been really fun. I um I got to admit, I am a um kind of obs- I have been at least recently slowed down a bit, but an obsessive list maker. Mm. Uh, top tens, top twenties, top one hundreds. Like I've even I think I made once a list of my top thirty best edited films. I could think of. like uh, wow. many many different kinds of lists, and so it putting this top twenty five together was pretty it's it wasn't as if i had to start from start from zero you know i've been doing this for a long time and um this list i was joking with patrick that the top seven have not actually changed in about 15 years so we'll you know we'll see how that goes how i feel about them when i'm describing them i didn't um just looking it over i don't believe i rewatched anything wow okay uh, yeah because like we're like total opposites yeah I, I don't make uh i've never been i mean i like making lists of movies i want to see like you know every year or so i'll make a list of like 100 or 200 movies i'll try to watch and usually i watch like 30 of them and give up but uh <laughs> uh i've never been a person that's made like a top 25 list and i had i was so nervous this was so difficult to me. I rewatched so many movies. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I, I, there were like this week, I think I watched two movies every day. Just being like, oh, should this be on the list? Should this not be on the list? 
and uh, even though like I, I think I just told Don that like my top four have been like pretty like I've always had the same like top four movies I've probably had them since high school but uh, one thing I did do even though I've had they're the same top four I did like for the first time ever I switched my number one and my number four they flipped wow so now my four is my one and my one is my four uh, and yeah. then uh there's even a movie I watched. I watched some, I tried to bring in some new movies too, like some classics and a and, uh, couple movies I watched this year for the first time made the list because they've, they're, they're really, also like, here's the thing, like I'm, I, I, I was a pretty tr- trash, like I didn't grow up in a, I mean, I grew up in a house that watched movies and stuff, but I wasn't like uh, searching for stuff as often. And I feel like, Don, the difference between you and me is like, you never like watch, you never watched like animated films. You never watched uh I feel like you didn't watch any like films for children, and I and I feel like making these lists are weird because I have to like parse out like the things that I had sentimental value to as a youth. Like I remember, I, like I watched some movies that I liked as a kid. Like you know, I love these movies as a kid. Should I put them on the list? Like I even joked with Don and Don. Like I might put Jingle All the Fucking Way. <laughs> I might make that my twenty because it's like, hey, that's a movie I watch every year. Love it. You know, I I can't say no to a movie I watch literally every year. Uh, but then <laughs> I rewatched it. And I was like, "What the fuck am I? I'm not putting it." Like 25 I mean, movies. I, I will much- say, uh, in terms of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator 2 did cross my mind. Ooh, really? Any- but it did not make it. Spoiler, but it did cross my mind. Okay, here's a question: Has did any movie that we've covered for our podcast make your list? The answer is yes. Whoa! How about you? Uh, yes. Okay, got, this is got, yeah. very exciting. Um. But yeah, I think we're going to, so we're going to present these top 25s. Obviously there's, um, we, and we don't know them ahead of time. So we'll be surprising each other, which is going to be fun. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Can't wait to see the bemused expression on Don's face with some of the choices <laughs> I make. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just the, the sh- first top four, just uh, he switched Shrek 2 with Shrek 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, Shrek 2 this time, there's something really saying to me with this viewing. <laughs> Uh, but uh but we're gonna um we're gonna also post on our twitter feed the academy mm-hmm. um of some of our runners up oh, in 100%. case you're interested in a few of the ones that crossed our head crossed our minds that uh you know didn't quite didn't quite make it i mean yeah as patrick said 25 is really it's not a lot <laughs> it's, it's not a lot and there's a lot i mean if we've learned anything and this is like a really great thing is that there's a lot of good movies and oh, there's a thousand according to they shoot pictures don't they and not i mean there are which yeah. is great and um so hopefully there's a few on here that you know i hopefully i hear some from patrick that i haven't seen that i get excited about or vice versa and you know to other listeners as well um and just want to state ahead of time that um these are like we're, we're going to avoid using uh the word best yeah over the course of this because it's not there's no unequivocal best that's a crazy Mm-mm. old school thing that needs to be thrown out the window these are just kind of things that at least speaking from my list and i'm going to try and share um kind of the feelings i had when i first saw a lot of these films because that's kind of a big thing is just kind of like wow it really like changed you or like really change the way you think about films. I thought that was very important in putting the other list. These are just kind of fav- my favorites, the ones that I think about a lot, the ones I come back to a lot. Um, you know, I, I mean, you could make an argument that like, I don't know, like these movies, like Die Hard or 
Caddyshack or, um, you know, like, or Return of the Living Dead. Movies that I actually have probably seen more than a lot of these movies on this list would be like my favorites, but I kind of try to theme it around this idea of the ones that kind of meant something to me more so than just kind of like ones I've thrown on with, you know, friends or in high school with friends or what have you. Um, that being said, though, Days and Confused was very, very close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's like, for me, it's like, because uh, like, yeah, that, uh, I 100% agree with you. And that's a big factor in my list. Yeah, like that lasting impact, like things that have like stuck with me. Uh, a thing I find, too, is like um, characters that I relate to or carry, maybe not relate, relate is the wrong term, but like, uh, uh, movies that I'm willing to like, uh, like I want to follow characters in films and I want to have like, uh, and I love like, like almost establishing a rapport with what I watch. Uh, and uh, a movie I love for the, for example, is The Thing. Like I love The Thing. That's a movie I've seen probably 30 times, uh, but it's not on my list. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised too because yeah. I love that movie. You almost made mine as well. It's both of our run on our will be on our runner up list. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's a hundred percent on my runner up list. But like the one thing, like there's, I feel like uh, uh, the thing that ultimately draws me to films is like having characters I can latch onto and like and following like either arcs or just like I don't know, like just I, I need like a depth. And I feel like uh, mm-hmm. I love the thing, love, love, love that movie. But like the one uh, thing. Eh, uh about that uh about the thing is that like none of the characters ever get fully like uh fleshed out entirely you never really get a good like i guess like you get you get a little from keith i feel like keith david weirdly even gets more than kurt russell it is i mean it's a very um you know it's a stripped down film yeah which is not bad yeah i mean it's just it's more of a style choice Mm -hmm. than anything else yeah, but I get, but I guess that's like the style. That's the thing, though. That's how subjective these lists are. Like that's yeah. what I've learned. Like making this list, that's what I really like latch on to. And what I find quality, I guess, is like I don't know, just like yeah, depth. I love depth. I guess whatever that means, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's hard, man. It's hard. Like I've already my list is gonna be dumb as hell. I'm so that's <laughs> I'm, it. No, I'm gonna get owned. <laughs> no, it's it's the well, it's not a contest for one, but uh, um... I'm winning. Watch out. I, I think Patrick is up 17 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you yeah. know that you know how that was scored. I'm, so, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, just uh yeah, <laughs> the thing doesn't have the depth of Shrek. No, I'm yeah, just sorry. Awful, awful. Yeah. Um, Shrek is not on my list, I promise. That's <laughs> I swear to God. Running gag, running yeah. gag in our circle. <laughs> um but no, I mean looking over my list, it's definitely like a lot of like movies that kind of like surprised me or knocked kind of threw me for a loop mm. and kind of like and i and i really i mean we kind of talked we um talked a little bit about that with um last week's ep- earlier this week with the brian de palma movies this kind of feeling of like being just kind of like swept away by style and choice yeah and and it might be because i'm like really interested in kind of you know the process of making films and the choices that go into that that um you know i mean i and i'll you know, stay straight up. I mean, there are many of these I cried on, but many of these I did not come close to crying on. And I just really appreciate for the kind of their boldness mm-hmm. in a way. But I have also noticed too, that sometimes boldness can bring me to tears, which is actually more exciting 
than just like <laughs> connecting with someone. I'm like, I went through that too. It's like, I'm more through like, I cannot believe, like, you know, I, I, I'm a big, I am a fan of the movie. Um, not did not make the list, but I'm a fan of the movie 1917. Mm, and great film. when he does that like big run across the field, part of it's because you want him to make it. But part of when I'm watching him, like, Oh, the structurally it's all led to this like massive action moment mm-hmm. in which they have to coordinate right. so much. And it just feels like filmmaking on this like razor edge wire. It's like, I can't like, it's like your orchestra is huge thing. And then everything comes together with performance, music, stunts, effects, camera, just down the line to become this thing that is just, to me, I guess, as a movie fan, as somebody who's been obsessed with this for so long, kind of this, it's the closest I've ever come to, like, a transcendent Ooh. feeling. Yeah. And almost every one of the movies I have on my list do have moments like that for me. They, like, provide the sublime. Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, and, and, and any kind of movie that can do that for me too it doesn't it can be an art film it could be you know i was watching um my parents were in town we watched ford versus ferrari the other day and it's as mainstream and straightforward as it gets but man it's a it works and you're just into it and you're like man the mechanics of all of this is coming together and the characters are so like well designed and bouncing off of each other and like the magic trick of like getting you to emotionally root for these two guys who you don't know you know, doing something like, I don't give a shit about race car driving or whatever, but it's just like, and I'm in, this is like, so like, I want these guys to win. I, the, you know, even like the way that they, the Josh Lucas character, the villain is mm. put together. You're like, I want this guy to lose. Why do you feel that way? And that's kind of like the magic trick of movies. And yeah. that's how come it's so easy to find a thousand of them. I don't, you know, but the people who are good at it, and I, every one of the filmmakers on my list, I would say are very, very fucking good at it. Um, you know, I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe of what, you know, kind of the beauty and the transcendent quality that it brings to me and like in my life and makes me really, really happy in those mm-hmm. moments. Even if I'm crying, I'm happy. Man, yeah. I still, I need to cry. I need to learn how to cry <laughs> watching a dang movie. I just, it's like a, any big fictional media for some reason. I just can't, oh. uh, but I'll get you, there. I'll yeah, get there. It must mean you're just very attuned to the real life and the natural world, which, you know, I mean, some of us have, <laughs> speak for my, I've cried more watching movies than I have in like situations with friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I cry once a year. I have like a really bad sweaty cry once a year. And nice. That's really embarrassing. It's a good, it's a good I, system. Uh, it's very healthy. It's before, very- <laughs> before, you know, we said this joke when I was in college, you know, got broke up with your girlfriend or, you know, something happened or whatever. It's like, yeah. Our joke was you're going to go to your room, take off your shirt and listen to the Smiths and cry. <laughs> it was like, that was the ultimate of like, where, where you went when you had to go to that place it's like shirts oh, coming off i'm sitting in the corner and we're listening to morrissey yeah. <laughs> i am the sun and the earth today yeah exactly uh, oh morrissey oh morrissey you you weird freak your music's yeah. good but you're a weird freak you're, a, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. a weird freak wow of the week. boy freak of the uh, stamps.com freak of the week <laughs> <laughs> or maybe uh, sponsored by the band Corn Freak of the Week, and yeah, it would be the like song the uh, "Feeling Like a Freak of the Week." 
Oh uh, boy! I'll, I'll write a parody of that. So, um, yeah, I should. We're gonna get into it just a moment here because we gotta. Lord only knows how long this is gonna take. We'll see. Yeah. I. You've got all weekend to listen to it, folks. <laughs> um, yeah. And no you know, I think yeah, we're gonna talk about some really fun stuff here that are, you know, not going to show up probably on our show in a regular setting. Mm. For at least a little while, we got a lot of Pacino to get through still. Um, but I wanted to say real quick, um, you know, I, I'll, yeah, I just tear out the bandit. My list is very, very like directed by, it's very Eurocentric, very male centric. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I just kind of tried to pick from my heart and that's where it went. Um, that is obviously not to say this again. We're not, these are not the best movies in all time. We're not we're just personal list of movies that had an effect on us. And there are a million other movies that could have, that didn't make this list that yeah. are, are no less worthy, you know? Yeah. Honestly. And yeah. It's so it's like, you know, yeah, I just want to let that out there. I mean, it's, we're not trying to exclude or anything like that. This is just kind of how the chips fell with these lists. But then again, these lists are meaningless. <laughs> so, oh yeah, they're dumb. Yeah, you know. I mean, don't worry. Like, yeah, you'll see. Like, I feel like, especially in my first, like, my twenty-five through twenty-three are pretty. Like, mm-hmm. they'll 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 discredit my list, so it's all good. But uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, like you know, I think the thing too is like you know. I have a feeling if we did these lists in a year, actually, I don't know, maybe done. Would yours change a little? Because I know with mine, like, I feel like my list would change a little bit. I think there's always the chance. There's yeah, a chance, I mean, yeah. there's a few, there's a handful of movies that did not, that I just couldn't find a way to squeeze in mm. that I it, might have a very special screening of over the next year that, you know, might change. There's some newer ones. Well, not newer, like, year-wise, but there's newer ones to kind of my... Um, I was like, you know what? I think this makes the list this time around that hadn't been this high before, mm. too. You know, like, the thing, too, because, like, with me, it's, like, there's so many, like, classics that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And there are so many films, like, for example, uh, I just barely missed out on rewatching Stalker today. <laughs> and I feel like had I rewatched Stalker, like it just like um, if I had rewatched it, maybe it'd be on my list instead of some other films. And definitely there like Stalker is like a better film than a lot of the movies on my list. <laughs> like I'm not going to take away from Stalker or like, uh, you know, Seventh Seal. That's like another one too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like classic movies that are like really, really good. But the problem is, is that like I haven't seen them since, you know, freshman year of college. And if they don't have like a lasting impact, like some of these movies... You know, I, you know, there's like one or two movies here that I saw like in high school that still have a lasting impact on me compared to like some of the. Uh, I think that's still important, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, in a lot of cases, I think by the time you're in high school, mm-hmm. your tastes are starting to. Um, yeah. Get, I mean, like I would like if you'd asked Don in like 1991, mm-hmm. what would I would probably put the Goonies as my number one movie of all time. You know? yeah. But but that was like when I was nine. So yeah. Oh, yo, when I was nine, I'd fuck. I'd probably put. I don't know. I'd put fucking uh, something dumb. I'd put actually no. You know, I put Jurassic Park, which isn't like the worst. Oh, but Jurassic Park would be in my Independence Day would have been in my top ten. Oh, dude, <laughs> like, I yeah, I watched Independence Day yeah. religiously. I had a friend who was uh, obsessed with that film, and I probably watched it like there was like one summer where we would watch that movie every other day. And that was like, you know, I think that 
hopefully the, these experiences can come back now that the movie theaters are reopening. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I think about with my, like with our, my, my daughter and stuff like that, like what it felt like when I, when, you know, I saw Jurassic Park the day it came out, I saw Independence Day the day it came out mm-hmm. and being in the movie theater for those, yeah, they didn't make, neither made my list, but I certainly remember how it felt and oh. how freaking exciting it was. And like, Mm-hmm. packed house and just like what is going to happen and like having your mind blown like that and you know hopefully movies start to um kind of recognize that they i mean i don't know like and i know i've gotten a little skeptical and when we hear my list it's very very you know art film heavy mm-hmm. too but i mean i i mean i i think like you know i was telling patrick i bought my pretty much everything in los angeles is reopening right June 1st, we're going to be vaccinated. All this stuff, it, that's by no means means that this is over, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more open to those of us who have kind of are taking the precautions. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And um, so I got a ticket naturally <laughs> to see a 70 millimeter presentation of Tenet Ooh, uh, in mid June. And I'm going to see it at the New Beverly in 35 as well. Um, nice. I'm just but, excited to see uh, Cruella starring Bill Nye. Yeah. I'm yes. Just really, uh, you know. <laughs> I told Jen about that. She's laughing her ass off. <laughs> She's like, "That's no." What does she say though? She goes, "No, it's Emma Roberts." And I'm like, "Wrong again. It's Emma Stone." <laughs> They're all the same. Uh... But it, you know, I hope that like you could be like that experience of like a packed house being wowed. Like, yeah. And, you know, I mean, we were talking about, too, with the new Beverly schedule, you know, you and I think I'm going to try and hopefully go with you if we want to go uh, as our first Academy Academy outing uh, to go see The Great Escape. Yeah. At the new Beverly. Yeah. I would love and to, yeah. even though that movie is definitely older, like that part where McQueen does try and escape from the Nazis on the motorcycle and gives chase mm-hmm. is and this is like the exciting like another exciting lasting thing about movies is that that moment is still absolutely thrilling oh yeah. when you see it on when you see it with a crowd and a packed house on a big screen like you know I, we're, they're showing bullet as well and i saw bullet there a few years ago and when that car chase goes down people go nuts the movie's 50 years old it's great one of my favorite feelings is like uh one of my favorite film feelings is when you watch a movie made before 1990 and it truly does something that like just flips you out that you've never seen mm. i remember like when i watched uh cool hand luke for the first time two years ago and you have that one moment and it's like a simple moment but it's like when you see the perspective from the sunglasses when mm-hmm. you see like and just like that one visual was like they could fucking do that like back in 1968 whenever that movie was made or 71 or what like i don't know like there's just and you know about- that it, like took hella time it time oh. right with the sun oh yeah. everything had to happen and they did it all in camera mm-hmm. which is really really you know, it was something funny that I keep coming back to what Andrew said this week <laughs> that all the shots, he's like, yeah, Pacino wasn't there because it's like they take forever. So yeah. why would Al Pacino have been there for this shot? <laughs> you know? And it's just, it, it, it is true. It, it's, but it's, it's, it's really thrilling, this idea of corralling all of these people and putting it together and building something with your hands. And I mean, you know, my list is also, um, the movies are pretty old. Right. On my list too, and um, 
yeah, I think that I also really appreciate that end of it. This mm. kind of handmade feel. I mean, there's certainly like I have a feeling um, someday, mm. uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, will creep its way into my top twenty-five. Like of of really recent movies, uh, that one has um, really really meant a lot to me. And um, and I know it's not for everybody, but for those of us who it really did affect, it really affected. Right. And, no, and I um, like that. I like that movie too. Like, um, I like. Yeah. And uh, it's actually so funny because I went on the New Beverly, and they're showing that movie like ten times mm-hmm. or whatever. And there is a part of me that's like, I might go on at midnight or whatever when the the gates open for buying tickets. I, I'm like, gonna I'm gonna go. They go on sale tomorrow. I'm gonna try. Oh, to get a ticket, yeah, yeah, same here. Because it's like uh, I want to give that movie. Because I think when I saw it, uh, I think I yeah, the first time I watched it, it was ruined because I was watching it like the you know with seventy millimeter or whatever the whatever the proper millimeter that God intended to have, see that view that film. And then <laughs> and then halfway through, like the uh, either the bulb went out, something happened, oh. like the projector got fucked up at the arc light, and it was so funny because uh, I've never seen an audience because like someone walked out. And they're like, the movie's going to start again, but we only have digital. And everyone booed so loudly. It was like... It was only, like in, only in Los Angeles. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting tomatoes. It was wild. It was uh, the... Um, it would be fitting. It was the last movie I saw before mm-hmm. uh, in the theater before quarantine. And it would be neat if it was the first one back outside of driving experiences. I did do quite a few driving experiences too. Nice. Um, but I think that's enough of the preamble. We'll probably be weaving in general movie feelings all the way through oh, yeah. here. So what we'll try and do is <laughs> yeah. ramp up, go longer for the higher up on the list and maybe breeze through the first 10 but we'll see i don't know this is the yeah. academy academy we don't know how to breeze through anything <laughs> so um we'll do you want to yeah I'll do you want to start off yeah, hell yeah oh man yeah okay 25 uh you know what so it's the 25th one on the list and this one's kind of like uh, a lesser known film uh and this is like a um and like i said like my list so much of it is like i tried to watch his rewatch a bunch of movies and uh there's a, a definitely a world where like Bernie would have made that like if that had been the movie I watched instead of this one mm. this would have belonged to Bernie this would have belonged to uh, Bernie would have won yeah Bernie would have won <laughs> yeah, Bernie uh, Bernie starring Bernie would be very yeah. good uh, what a weird <laughs> Jack Black is Bernie Sanders I don't know how that works yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, I'd pay to see that yeah. um, not a James no, you know James Adomian but that'd be fun yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, American Splendor probably would have taken the spot, too. And those That's are great. great film. Oh, I love American Splendor. That movie's yeah. so good. I might actually... Mm, nope. Gonna stick with my list too late. I'm Uh-oh. stuck with this. I'm stuck. But my 25, it's going to Owning Mahoney. Owning Mahoney with Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? I, yes. I've never seen that film. It's so good. Watch it. It's uh, I rewatched it. It's, it's great, too. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, you know, it's probably not gonna be for long, but this movie is on YouTube, and you can just watch the whole movie. <laughs> so, you know, and, like, look, pay for movies, and, like, you know, give people their due and whatnot, but, like, if you're, you know, uh, it's no skin off anyone's back if you just watch it on YouTube <laughs> once. Like, if you need a taste, you know, get a, get a taste of it before you uh, dip your toes in the water. Uh, but, uh, it has, uh, one of my favorite John Hurt performances of all time. Mm. Uh, he plays, like, a, um, uh, like kind of like the, the the boss at like a, an Atlantic City casino, and he's just like he's basically like a 
like the devil or like if like if the Joker had an Alfred, that's like the best way I would describe him. He's just like this evil man that's like uh, uh, trying to give Philip Seymour Hoffman's character uh, whatever he wants in order for him to stay gambling at his casino forever. Uh, uh, the film is directed by uh, Richard. I think his last name is pronounced Clayton Wout. Uh, uh, let me look up the pronunciation really oh, quickly. Yeah, we should get that ahead of time that the chances of us mispronouncing uh, many directors' names today are, is relatively high. Oh, yeah, especially with this one. This is a, uh, it's Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. Mm. Uh, Richard Kwiatkowski, uh, who I think is British, but he films a lot in Canada. This is probably his biggest movie. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman basically plays a, uh, a bank a person employed at a bank with a gambling problem and uh what i love about this film is he is so um it's such a subtle performance and it does it does like it doesn't glorify ga- like gambling is so uncool in this movie <laughs> it's so like the like it's just like uh it's so just it's just depressing in a way i truly uh enjoy and his character never really like goes above like a seven, like emotionally, like there's no like huge scene where he's crying or there's like a huge scene where he has like a fight or he like pushes a table over. It's also internal with him uh, as he increasingly fucks up his life and ruins his life and uh, does whatever he can to like gamble with increasingly higher amounts of money that he uh, begins to steal from like the bank he works at. Oh no! Oh man, yeah, but uh, it's a. Uh, I'll wrap it up. It's a great movie. It's really fun, uh, and it's like a lesser-known movie. So like, yeah, it has also has Mari Chaykin in it. He's great as like a weird skeezy uh, Canadian, uh, you know, numbers guy. Like, I love it. Fun movie. Watch Owning Mahoney. What's your uh, What's your check? Number I'll check that out. Uh, my number oh. twenty-five. Uh, this one is new to being this high on my list but i was thinking about it uh, over the course of the week and i just every time i see it i'm really really blown away by it i saw it for the first time probably in the late 90s it was one that um they did a big re-release on it and it kind of had this infamous um reputation as kind of being the violent movie of its time oh interesting and so which made you know high school dawn very interested in the controversy behind it um but it's a really powerful movie with one of the greatest endings of all time and it's um from 1969 it's uh, sam peckinpah's the wild bunch is my Ooh. number 25 movie um i love westerns certified too. grandpa and film yeah yeah it's Pretty a big time way. yeah and that that could be a running thing on the list too but um it's just, it's so powerful, so well made. The action mm-hmm. still is great. I love all the characters and the performances. Um, you know, I hope, I've never seen it on the big screen. I hope to. I know it's a, it is a new Bev fave. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think probably more than likely I heard in the 90s Quentin Tarantino talking about it, which led me to it right. in the first place. I mean, I think that there's um, a joke even in From Dust Till Dawn, like, Clooney, I think, says something like, this place is going to go like, we're going to paint this place like the fucking Wild Bunch, you know, or something like that, you know, because the Wild Bunch's ending is famously um, insanely violent. Right. Like this, you know, massive shit. An interesting thing about Wild Bunch, it came out the same year as, uh, or same time period, basically, as uh, 
think it's a year after, but similar time period as Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and um, I kind of I get the feeling like if you like neo-westerns, mm. <laughs> you're either a Wild Bunch person or you're a Butch person. I mean, I like both of them, but I the Butch Cassidy did not make my top 25, but the Wild Bunch makes my top 25. Like, I just think it's... Right. It's a very powerful film that I, um, that, that, you know, and this kind of goes back to what you're saying about things made before 1990 that still hold their, hold their water. I mean, this one has got it. Oh, yeah. In my, in my opinion. So, uh, my number 25 is The Wild Bunch. Nice. Uh, I need to, I really need to watch that movie. And I love, like, God, I think the only Sam Peckinpah film I've seen is, uh, is Get Carter is Sam Peckinpah, correct? No. No shit. That's uh no. Mike it's Mike Hodges. Hodges. God damn it. British. Yeah. Yep. Ugh, I got my uh, I got my straw dogs confused with my Get yeah. Carter. Yeah. <laughs> straw dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen. Uh, I've seen. Yeah. That's the uh, straw dogs is really good. Um, it's really good. It's rough, but it's really good. Yeah. Uh. But uh. Yeah. I need to watch the Wild Bunch. That's all I need to say. I have to watch that <laughs> movie at some point. Uh, there's a lot of movies. I'm gonna. I think what's what the, the recurring theme is. You're gonna list a great classic movie that I have. Uh, <laughs> not seen yet and then i'll be like uh i probably need to see that <laughs> okay um here we go 24 here we go uh this is uh one of two i only have like two animated films on my list this is the uh, first one uh and i think this is like uh probably the most sentimental movie i put on the list, like the one like from my childhood that's like because uh, there's a lot of movies i thought about putting on this that were like you know kind of like my first faves and yeah. I watched some of them and I was like, ah, this doesn't really hold up for me. Uh, but this is like, I think a movie that I can kind of put on even now. And I still like it to a certain degree. So it's uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah. Henry Selleck. Uh, I'm a huge fan of stop animation. Uh, it's such a painstaking, brutal process. And um, I think that it's also one of those things that you know, very few people do it because it takes a lot of effort and the reward is usually pretty low. Like, literally, I think the only person that still does it's like Leica, I think it's the only company that does it still. And they're kept afloat because, like, the son of, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Adidas is, like, uh, is like a, Yeah, the head of Nike. Yeah. Nike, yeah, exactly. Not Adidas, Nike, the other, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Chili Tea, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think he had a hip-hop album uh, that was produced by the Dust Brothers. Oh, wow. No, not the Dust Brothers, the Bomb Squad. My bad, my bad. Which is even weirder, probably. <laughs> but uh, uh, I just... Uh, I also felt like I had to put like a, some something Tim Burton on this list because I love... That was like my first like director I loved was mm-hmm. Tim Burton. And I watched every... like I religiously... Up until like I think he lost me with Alice in Wonderland. That was when I was like, <laughs> yeah. never again, you lost me. And... Um, uh, you know, Ed Wood is a great film. Uh, it's not on the list, but I love that. Uh, Big Fish, I used to love, but I have a feeling if I went back to it now, I'd probably be like, this is a little weird. It doesn't work as well as it did uh, back in 2003. Uh, Beetlejuice, classic. But I think like the one that sticks with me the most is uh, like the aesthetic of this movie is great. Uh, the songs are just catchy. I sing them all the time to myself. <laughs> I love the character. I love the characters. It's just, uh, it's a fun world. It's, it's probably like, this would be like the first movie I'd show my kid, probably, if I ever had a kid. That's fun. Uh, yeah. And it's also like what I like about it is it's like very like, um, 
like when I was a kid, I was like afraid of so many movies. Like my parents like took me crying out of Muppet Treasure Island. Like I, I couldn't handle like a lot of, but for some reason, like a movie with like a clown with a tearaway face, like, uh, like I not never scared. I was afraid of Timmy the tooth. Wasn't afraid of this. I don't know why something about like, uh, it's a combination of Henry Selleck's, uh, uh, we're all work and then like tim burton has this like very he has this way of making things that on uh he's smooth he's very good at smoothing out things that um uh would be rougher in other people's hands and yeah. sometimes that's not great sometimes you you know you wish that things like had like that edge or whatever but uh i think like i don't know it's great mm-hmm. probably the best kids movie ever made in my opinion there we go there you go i have not seen that i don't think since i was a kid Ooh, dude, um, it's still good. You should watch it. Yeah, maybe we'll show it to the show it to our girl uh, when it. time comes. Uh, my number twenty four is also the newest movie mm-hmm. on my list. Oh damn! Uh, from twenty eleven, it's The Tree of Life, directed by Terrence Malick. Wow. Um, I this was a movie that I followed the production of for years mm-hmm. before it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of it was one of those ones you have a feeling about that it's going to be a special one for you. Mm-hmm. Um. I took off work the day it came out so I could go see it without having to think about anything. And I tried to track down what the best screen was in the Northwest for it. Um, an older couple walked out with a <laughs> older man saying, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that's, that was um, my, that's, that, see, that's my grandpa right there. That's yeah, it was very, yeah, it was very grandpa. Uh, I find it just, um, and then I saw it again that same yes. weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, cool. I went again. Um, and it's just a, um, it lived up to everything I was hoping for from it. And then some, it, uh, you know, I think like not a, um, religious person, but his movies for me, I think one of the most beautiful things about them is they capture kind of the pure beauty of if one felt that way about the universe. Um, I like the cosmic tones of it. I like, you know, I, even the feeling of like when you're a little boy that you are the center of the universe and the Big Bang all led to you <laughs> uh, is all there because it's true. Um, right. And the fact that like it's got one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances. I think he's really and usually Terrence Malick films, although, you know, we, we might talk about some others momentarily um but uh are not like performance-based movies i think brad pitt really um got the dad character in this thing really really well and i just it, you know it's a movie that i f- i find to be just it, it, it's it will make its way up this list as the years go on mm-hmm. i'm sure um my last screening of it was actually uh election night Last year, I opted to watch the Tree of Life, do yoga, and then watch the Tree of Life rather than watch the Donald Trump Joe Biden returns, which I felt was a uh, very wise. Uh, you know, it, maybe it was a move you know, to avoiding reality or whatever, but it certainly left me at peace going into the throughout the evening, and it was something that felt good. So. I, I love the film. I know Terrence Malick's stuff is kind of you're either evangelical or you're mm-hmm. an atheist to use Malicky religious terms <laughs> um, uh, about his work. But I am um, 
personally pretty uh, evangelical about it. And uh, yeah, I think I find this movie to be everything and then some. So. Yeah, I uh, only Terrence Malick movie I've seen is uh, Thin Red Line. So once again, this is a movie I want to see. Uh, he's also a Texas troubadour. He's like one of the, he's a Texas director, right? Yeah, he lives in Austin. God, yeah, he's one of the, I guess it's like him, Linklater, Anderson. Those are like the three, uh, who am I? I guess Robert Rodriguez. This is the four. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez. I mean, Wes Anderson doesn't live there anymore. Oh, right. Yeah, he but, probably uh, lives in New York or some, or LA. Yeah. Paris. Paris, my oh, friend. Of, oh, of course. Him and I, I bet he's like constantly in David Lynch's bar. Yeah. The secret bar of David Lynch in Paris. Oh, uh, man. Man, let's go to that. Let's go to that bar. Let's yeah, just, I would uh, love to, actually. Oh, dude, <laughs> would... probably, it'd be fun as hell. Yeah, but uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Like, uh, my family went to Paris when I was like 14. And uh, I will always remember, like, uh, I think my mom was the one who said, you know, David Lynch has a bar here. And it's like the only time my mom has ever talked about David Lynch ever. Said the life. words David Lynch. <laughs> it was very like, what? <laughs> uh but uh it was yeah um elephant man almost made my list uh, uh definitely a connection between malik and lynch though in that um malik's uh production designer jack fisk mm-hmm. who uh has worked with malik pretty much all the way through um is david lynch's best friend Ooh. and has worked with lynch multiple times and uh just announced jack fisk is going to be doing his first collaboration with martin scorsese on killers of the flower moon which only adds to the excitement behind that film oh man i'm so yeah that'll be a great um i, I got, something to look forward to on the big screen oh we'll definitely it, yeah i will say though i was so annoyed by that one article that was going around where it was like look how much leonardo dicaprio changed for this role and it's like he looks a, like a year older i guess like there wasn't a lot of it wasn't like he gained 50 dude, pounds the, or, dude, the dude is in his mid 40s he's not gonna look like he's in titanic forever yeah like, <laughs> like he didn't like yeah it wasn't like a huge unless there was some like big shocking picture i missed the one no there wasn't and, yeah he it just was just like kind of guy yeah, that was why people were giving that one a bit of guff. Um, what do you got for uh, 23? 23, yeah. This will probably be my most controversial run. Uh, ah, controversial. Uh, there we go. Uh, here we go. Uh, lock the gates. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is going to be uh, one of my two documentaries on my list. Oh. Got two. I love me a doc. Uh, and this is a... Uh, God, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I stick with it. Uh, Trekkies. Roger, oh. Roger Nygaard's Trekkies. <laughs> I know it's like kind of a dumb thing to put on the list, but I think I am someone who loves media about media. Like I will watch the special features on a DVD. I will uh, watch, you know, you know, two hour long YouTube uh, uh, videos about the making of fucking Donkey Kong or just whatever dumb thing. Uh, and I feel like this movie a lot of like documentaries and media that um kind of dissect like you know uh film and fandom in general and like its impact on the world kind of stems from this movie Mm. i think this was like kind of like the uh first because there are so many like documentaries out about like uh like uh, that interrogate like different cultures and uh groups of people that love X or groups of people that love Y and uh, 
what I love about this is it, 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 I think more because I think most of them are usually like love letters to fans and shit like that, which I really don't like. Or they're like yeah. freak, or they're freak shows where they're like, look at these weirdos, they're so weird. And there's a little bit of that in Trekkies, don't get me wrong, but I think it's like. Uh, it's something I just, I, I always find myself watching random clips from it on YouTube more than, like, most other films. I just, um, there's, like, uh, there's a, uh, an unguardedness with the interviewees in this one, because I feel like it was one of the first times a documentary like this was ever made, and people really open up in ways that you wouldn't expect. Um, there are truly disturbing moments in it where like you have the lady who has like this book of like uh, Brent Spiner photographs and he moved to LA just to be like across from where she thinks Brent Spiner lived. Uh, you know, but then, and then you also get like a, sorry, I'm not even like a huge Star Trek fan. That's the thing too. Like I've maybe watched like three episodes of the, uh, the next generation, but like, I don't know, there's like this, the James Dewan story about the lady that like it, it really more than any documentary or film uh i think trekkies uh shows uh the impact for better and for worse of a huge piece of media i think like if you're gonna like try to like make a game of thrones or something i think anyone everyone should have to watch uh <laughs> like Trekkie. i think that i really do think and even like you know i even think like if you're gonna try and make movies like heat you should watch because like uh you know so much of uh, media nowadays is like there's like this weird parasocial relationship people have with their media now mm-hmm. uh yeah and i think if anything this movie's become more relevant because it's just it's so much more intense it's yeah yeah no i'd give tell everyone to give it a yeah give it a viewing uh you know and it's, i think there are some things that are probably like you don't know if like the director is directing uh is the kindest you know you wish maybe like a little bit like he'd be a little but i think for the most part he does like a a solid job especially like denise crosby who i think is those they do a solid job empathizing with whoever they uh they're interviewing Mm -hmm. um so like yeah no i think it's like i think it's like a an underrated film of importance in my opinion yeah give trekkies a watch i've never seen it you've uh you've sold me though it's yeah no it's really i think it's really good and i think it's like the only like ninety five percent of documentaries like this piss me off. They're really dumb and then like annoying and like uh, they're masturbatory. And I think this one isn't. The second one's bad. Don't watch the second one because uh, I got the wrong. They learned the wrong lessons when they made the second one. Uh, but the first one, like, ah oh, man, it's an interesting insight into uh, the, that psyche. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So my number twenty three is mm-hmm. uh, Chinatown from oh, nineteen seventy four, yeah. directed by Roman Polanski. It just gets better. This is a, and this is a movie that, I mean, is just a flat out gut punch and one of the nastiest, most depressing, oh, God bless some endings that if any movie ever made, yeah, it's just, and just the fact that it feels like maybe we all live in chinatown sometimes yeah uh, the world is dark and scary and bad and like and that yeah. yeah the people just like the barons are truly bad you know just all of it and just really it's just it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking that i think it's one of the most relevant and you know i think you know it's certainly influential i mean you, you look at everything from 
David Fincher's body of work to True Detective. All, you know, and then everything in between kind of um, are coded in the influence of Chinatown. It's something I think about. I think about this movie a lot. <laughs> and um, it's just, yeah, I, I, obviously it's not new news to think this movie's great, but this is just, to me, every time I watch it, it's a, it's a true stunner. And, you know, it goes back again to what you were saying about reaction yeah. and that kind of thing. And that, well, that's 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> You'd have to be pretty empty. Yeah. vessel if you're not really <laughs> really reacting to some of the horror. I mean, we watch a lot of horror movies in this house, and this movie is more brutal and nastier than 95% of them. Yeah, in how in how it goes down, and it's it's a classic. Yeah, a cruel ending. Yes, it is. It's just a, cr- a truly um. I God, it's so funny. Uh, I hadn't thought about that movie until you said it. I saw that in. I think I was 16 when I saw that last. I need to rewatch that movie. Uh, mm. I feel like if I rewatched it, it would probably end up on my list. It did not make yeah. it on the, but it's a great, it's a great, it's a great movie. Uh, God, yeah, because I, that, uh, that is a brutal, it's a sad ending. And then like, yeah. there's even like stuff like this, like the, like Jack Nicholson getting his nose cut. It's funny you bring that up. I was just thinking about that too, because my dad told my brother and I about that when we were like, Eight and four years old. Oh my god! He puts a knife up his nose and cuts it out. Oh, uh, that's, that's... <laughs> that was the only thing I knew about the movie until I saw it, and I was just like, "Oh, that sounds awful, Dad. That's the worst thing ever." Oh, dude, yeah, that's uh, it sucks. So that was I remember seeing that and just being like, "Yeah, maybe one yeah. of the most vis- visceral reactions you can." And have. of course, it is Roman Polanski playing the character who does the um, the knife slicing. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's what a weird. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's you know, in the darkness, it's it, it's dark, all of it. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot haunts that movie. You know, oh yeah, a lot of, and a lot of its times. I mean, it's it, I think it's kind of kind of pretty much the kind of peak and emblem of both the artistic greatness of the era, but also the excess and the darkness of the era yeah um and you know oh and there was a book that came out about it uh, forgetting the, the, i believe it's called the big goodbye that came out i believe last year that i can't recommend more i read it in like two days i was so into it but um interesting but yeah that's uh my number tw- 23 chinatown mm. uh okay uh my number 22 then is uh uh i guess like uh I'd say it's similarly as... I don't know if it's as dark as Chinatown. It's still pretty dark, though. I'd say Network. And now, the distinguished television news commentator, Mr. Howard Beale. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like at this moment to announce that I will be retiring from this program in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for me in my life... I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this program a week from today. What the hell's going on? Prepare yourself for a perfectly outrageous motion picture. Mm. Network, uh, Sydney Lumet's uh, Network. Uh, I rewatched this recently. Uh, Great film. Oh, it's so good. It has like my one of my favorite Faye Dunaway performances 
of all time. Uh, William Holden is so good in it. Uh, Peter Finch, uh, <laughs> his character just increasingly uh, uh, becoming increasingly demented, and uh, his ultimate um, is like his uh, ultimate his interaction with uh, with Ned Beatty at the end. Oh my fucking god! The, the scene of the movie. The scene yeah. of the movie. If you ask me. Oh, by far the scene of like. Yeah, One of the, the best entire, scenes of all time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so funny because uh, um, I was talking to a friend and, uh, you know, we were trying to think of, like, what actor uh, from the past, like, uh, what actor, like, uh, is most similar to, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I mm. actually, I threw Ned Beatty in. <laughs> and he was like, Ned Beatty's, like, too much of a, he's like a one-trick pony. He can't, and I was like, dude, like, he did both Deliverance and Network, like such like he he played like he's really good. I don't think he ever got. Um, I don't think they ever gave him like the level of like leading roles that Phil Hoffman got. Oh no, like that, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the difference. I bet he, I bet he would have made him sing if he oh, had gotten him. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Like he, he literally, yeah. It's, it is like a such a shame that like yeah, Network and Deliverance are his two. Like I don't think he has even like a third one, which is a he's bummer. in um. He's the bad guy. <laughs> Not necessarily the, as high a quality of a film, but um, movie I really like, White Lightning with uh, Burt Reynolds, <laughs> a moonshining movie. Um, he's the bad guy. Oh, interesting. Okay. That, he did it. I think he did, uh, it, you know, he did. He was the father in Rudy. That's another he, one. He hung with Burt Reynolds a bit. He's <laughs> in, um, he was in All the President's Men. Oh, he's in, oh. He's in, he's in Nashville. Yeah, and, that's know, another pig. Yeah, I'm just looking over. He's in Superman the movie. Oh, he, he he had a couple. He had a couple. He, he, the dude worked. I mean, like yeah. you know, he really did. And he I mean, right on the table. yeah, Life of Times of Judge Roy Bean, White Lightning. I mean, you know, uh, Otis. Yeah, he played Otis in Superman. I Silver, what a Silver, weird. Oh, what a Silver weird Streak, kid. Mikey and Nikki. I mean, you know. Okay, he got his. Yeah, Exorcist Two, The Heretic. You, you, you couldn't make a 16 seed bracket for him, but you could make an eight seed probably. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if we ever do a supporting uh, key character actors of all time, oh, key, yeah. ca character actors of the 70s, he might have a, I mean, the, obviously the 70s were the decade of the character actor, oh, yeah. but um, boy, I mean, he'd be, he'd be a strong, he'd be a strong challenger. Oh, totally. He'd, he'd make it to like the quarterfinals. Yeah. He'd be the first seed. Uh, but, uh, um, I also just let be a Patty Ch Patty Chayefsky's uh, writing. Uh, not always. I'll be real. I hate the hospital. I watched the <laughs> hospital. That movie does not age well. And I think like there is like this aspect of um, Patty Chayefsky that comes off as like jaded boomer. Like, it's a little. You could see where like Sorkin gets some of his action, except uh, Patty Chayefsky's a little more adventurous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like also yeah he's. You know what? That's exactly right. Because I was, I was just literally just going to say he's willing to take risks, which uh, is adventurous. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, just uh, it's like one of those movies with like great performances, great writing, and uh, it it uh, is only you know it kind of predicted like Alex Jones and like <laughs> that sort of that strain of like uh, yeah yeah, and it's just um, the way that like Faye Dunaway's character never turns off. It's so frightening. Like she's such a frightening character, and she's like the her well, she, character. Yeah, she she is what is expected of a person, man or woman. 
in the modern era of business. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. And it's like, you can't have like Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler without yeah. Faye Dunaway and network. Like, that well, whole, she, like, she, she crawled so he could walk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, who's great in it. Uh, Robert Duvall. Oh he's, man. He's great he, in the film too. So many great screaming moments. Wesley Addy yeah. is great in this. I love Wesley Addy. Everybody. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's very, um, I mean, like you, we were talking about the, uh, how excited we were about say hello to my little friend mm-hmm. the other night. And I think that the mad as hell speech has that same effect. It's like, we know it's coming. We've uh-huh. seen it a million times. It's like, man, this works. This is good. <laughs> this is oh, really good stuff. <laughs> oh man. And like the part where like William Holden's watching with his family. And then, uh, He's like he daughter says, gets up to look out yeah, the window too. And it's like, yeah. you're like, and you can see like the light leaving William Holden's eyes. <laughs> like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And like his like weird affair with Faye Dunaway. That's like, it's just like, it's, it's like he, he is, cause on paper, like it's kind of gross. It's like William Holden's like a million years old and Faye Dunaway. Well, Faye Dunaway. But like they, a, they also like play it that way, that it is inappropriate and it oh. is transactional. Oh, and the thing too, is that William Holden, like <laughs> Wait, Faye Dunaway <laughs> is, yeah, well, Faye, Faye Dunaway is William Holden's like, that's his like gross TV. Like that's his like, every, you know, it's like the Jim Gaffigan bit about McDonald's. Like mm-hmm. everybody has a McDonald's and like Faye Dunaway is like the queen of finding out everyone's like mental McDonald's. And <laughs> Faye Dunaway is like William Holden's McDonald's. And it takes, and it takes William Holden. Like it's so, cause like by the time he figures it out, it's like, Oh, I yeah. ruined my marriage. And yeah. Then, uh, well, I mean, like, and it's obviously it's it's very on the nose, like that part where they're having sex, and she's literally going through business plans. Yeah, as oh. as as it's going on, it's like it is very on the nose to kind of explain the character that way, but it works. I too. like it. I yeah. think it's like a. I think it. I don't know. I think it works for me, and and I think it's like this thing too, where I think, uh, you know, William Holden. It's like him trying to like also grasp for like you know because he's like the an old school news guy and i think that's him trying to like you know i bet there were fucking nights where he did that back in the 50s like you know with people they don't always say you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know, like yeah i just thought of something too is um sorkin is trying to be chayefsky but you know who's actually getting a lot not not the same by any means but getting a lot closer is adam mckay mm, uh, because adam mckay is trying to make these statements that are but he's also trying to do it like masked in cleverness and tr- moves and kind of adventurous filmmaking style too, yeah, to try they, he's but he's a, but his movies are um so like Sorkin's stuff is always like Sorkin really believes in the system Sorkin just thinks they're bad players within the system mm-hmm. and I think both Patty Chayefsky and Adam McKay I believe the system itself is what's rotten oh yeah and people can take advantage bad players take advantage of a rotten system basically Mm -hmm. oh yeah well it's like uh you know like it's uh, not even taking advantage as much as like that's like the outcome like if you the system is the way it is that's where you're gonna end up no matter what Mm -hmm. uh and i think like yeah it's so funny that you brought up adam mccakes i think they both share uh, oh, they can't. Uh, they also can't help themselves to take it a little too far sometimes. Oh no, I think it's like a di- They both are. They're both very didactic. Where like mm-hmm. I think like yeah, the one thing that like uh, I wish the network didn't have like it would be higher on my list if network uh, if network didn't have the Lee Richardson voiceover. 
Yeah. Uh, which I love some, sometimes it's kind of funny, but then sometimes I'm like, I don't need this guy telling me like, you know, the, 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 the murder and fucking show ended up becoming number one in America, mm-hmm. followed by the Mao Zedong hour. Like, uh, I don't need like, uh, I don't need that. Um, but network is also like the peak of the, I don't own a television era of like liberal, oh. like arguments and that kind of thing. Oh, totally. It it is. Oh, it's so funny. I love Peter Finch. It's like his character is so. See, like, uh, I love his character, I think, because I think, like, in the 70s, probably people liked him because he was like, he's telling it how it is. To me, it's like, uh, uh, there's just something very, like, uh, silly about, like, the. the entire thing, it, yeah. it's wonderful. There's truth to it. And I think that, yeah. like the idea in a boardroom to kill him is hilarious and the logical oh, conclusion to the entire man. thing. <laughs> it's so brutal. But then like it ends with like after that, uh, it, like it, uh, or before that, like the whole like that last 20 minutes where they're like trying to find the next uh, like uh, and, and all, just, like, all the all the segments and all that kind of Oh god, it's just such, or or like the part where like oh man when they it's that ending where like they they shoot they shoot uh Peter Sorry, Finch. sorry if there's spoiler heads out there the movie's 50 oh, years yeah. old or whatever. Hey guys, it's all I'll put a spoiler before yeah. like all you ding-dongs listening. <laughs> I, we love we love you ding-dong, you precious ding-dongs, but uh You I was going to watch Network for the first time tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> Peter but Peter Finch lives, right? He survives. Uh no, nah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like they like when he dies, like they they show it, like the news like reacting to it, and then they have like like commercials for like you know fucking juicy fruit or whatever. I don't know. It rules. I love well, it. I mean, there is this idea too about it, and it's you know kind of like you know how fast the news moves on. Mm-hmm. Like you know, everyone you talked about in the Trump era of like, <laughs> what did he do today? And how yesterday's shit was forgotten yeah. because of what he did today or whatever. <laughs> and it and this is obviously even more accelerated than the, what they presented in network. This would probably give Pat Hiefsky another heart attack. Okay. But, you know. uh, they should. A network is actually like a movie on my list. I think it's the one movie on my list where I'd be like, I'd watch a remake of it if it was the right director. Be tough. I mean, I, I think Adam McKay is the obvious choice, but I don't mm-hmm. think he'd do it either. Yeah, I, I think like, and it would, yeah, it would definitely be a very different movie. Uh, but like, I'd like to see, you know, maybe not even like a clean remake, but like uh, whatever the equivalent, I'd love to see like, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, what would the, what would the Peter Finch character, God, I can't remember the names of any of these characters. Howard Beale. Howard Beale, duh. How, what would Howard Beale uh, what would the Howard Beale of the 21st century look like? Like, what would that like? Yeah, I guess like, yeah. What well, the, Dan- the, mo- the modern version is that he would uh, basically be news team assemble. And Howard Beale would lead a team against anti-news. Yeah, <laughs> the newsbusters, yeah. Yeah, they're like, we're fake news will be personified and be played by like Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, and you bet your ass he's probably going to cancel himself. Yeah. Okay, oh. okay next. But you, you do definitely... Um, to have inspired me, I plan on pulling my DVD off the shelf. Oh, network, it's good I've not watched it recently, and it sound, freaking sounds great. Yeah. Uh, my number 22 from 1954, Seven Samurai, directed by Akira Kurosawa, as we all know. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, not much to say about Seven Samurai. A oh, perfect movie. I mean, it's just, it, it kind of, it's still like, still got it all. It's still thrilling. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's still like this, your jaws on the floor. I mean, this movie's as old as my parents. And when that final battle starts going down in the rain, you're like, wow, like, look at it. Like, this looks better than a battle in a new movie. <laughs> like, you know, you're so into it. And it's going back to what you said at the top of it, too, is, you know, the movie's long, but it takes time so you get to know the characters. And so you're really invested in all of the characters by the time it does reach this like mega battle conclusion and it's it's really satisfying but it's very emotional too yeah. and uh i mean i know this is like criterion collection 101 but it deserves it and it deserves it's kind of um you know kind of permanent placement on lists oh, yeah. of these nature uh, and you know and that isn't to say i mean kurosawa you know high and low throne of blood yojimbo down the line uh, Ron um, you know and that's just like you know handful right there like I mean this is one of the you know true like legendary status of cinema is deserved if you ask me and like modern storytelling too I mean like the Marvel movies and that kind of stuff they take from the kind of storytelling tips that are in these samurai films. Oh yeah, Star Wars. As well. No, oh, obviously Star Wars. Yeah. Yes, Huge. naturally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I and mean, you watch the Hidden Fortress, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's there they definitely took some stuff, but um, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you know it. You all know it out there, but um, it's it's you know, especially over this long weekend. You know why not? Take a take a look at it. It's it's a it's a good time. It's on the Criterion Channel naturally. Yep. It's one of the best movies. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's, movie. that's my uh, number 22. Awesome. Uh, my uh, number 21 is uh, this is the most recent movie I've watched. Uh, and I put this on the list. It was like a final decision whether I put this on the list or not. But like uh, putting Manhunter 21. Nice. It's so good. I um, And partially why I'm putting it on is that uh, I couldn't believe like... Uh, I was so impressed by uh, a how little like I knew about this film going in. It's kind of crazy. I feel like this movie got buried because of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And dude, this movie's better. This is better no. than so I hugely I think so. I know some people don't. Uh, disagree we might with have me. we might have an Academy Academy disagreement. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that's fair. I might need to rewatch Silence of the Lambs again. I'm rewatching. I remember loving Silence of the Lambs, but man, like. They're both great. Um, oh, they're both. Yeah, they're both yeah. kings. Uh, and uh, Dante Spinotti's uh, cinematography. It there are like visuals in this movie that are just the beat, like the sh like the, sh the the sunsets and the, mm -hmm. the just the the just the pictures of the beat. like. Fuck, I want to frame some of these shots. <laughs> they're so beautiful, and I haven't like. I rarely. I feel like as you you know watch more films and get older, like you're increasingly not impressed by things and it was like uh i watched a bunch of movies and that was like the one thing that really stuck out with to me uh were these like just trippy gorgeous like yeah visuals of yeah sunsets and beaches um i love william peterson his performance you know it's a little uh subdued but uh uh he, he's great oh, he's, he's a really he's, great actor oh, he's, He's very great. And also just not in a lot. I think he should be in more things. It's kind of I mean, a, I think he... Um, was he on CSI or well, something? Well, he, he made a ton of money doing CSI. Yeah. And I think he does, like, theater in, like, Chicago or whatever. And, oh, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just living his life. Good for him. Yeah, that whips. Good, yeah. Good. yeah. It's like the Dennis Franz thing. You know, like, do what you want to do, brother. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's so... Also, like, I think I actually like Brian Cox. I know this is, like, the contrarian troll opinion. Brian Cox is so fucking good as Hannibal Yeah, Lecter. he is. Spelled Lector. Like, a very weird... That's, like, one thing that's very weird. It's like, why didn't he go with the original spelling? I don't know. Uh, but uh, I love, like, um, you, know, you don't see him a lot. I actually kind of like, too, that he's not made the... Because uh, I feel like one thing I love about this movie is it. Um, I feel like in Silence of the Lambs, great performance. Anthony Hopkins is a king. I love, like... Oh, yeah. You know, I love everything he does. I'm glad, you know, I need to see the father still. Uh, uh, but uh, his character sometimes feels like this insane supervillain, like, almost like a Batman villain. Like they kind of turned him into Dexter. Oh, big as time. the show went on, like, oh, we're supposed to like this guy. He eats people. Yeah, he's a baddie, and like, yeah. and, and Brian Cox is like so like. There's something so like his performance is so like uh, nonchalant and yeah. uh, free of artifice, and uh, the like four or five scenes he has are just Mwah. like they're so excellent. Like him like going through the process of uh, finding. Uh, uh, William Peterson's uh, phone number and his house. Uh, also, Tom Noonan. Oh my God! Like so good. And I didn't know that. Like I didn't know I wanted like Tom Noonan as a Terminator in my life. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, he is so. Because I, I didn't. I forgot that he's like intimidating. He's so tall. And his that final scene set with to in, uh, a, in a in a God oh, of Vida. Yeah. That's one of the best. Oh, it was so good. I love, yeah. like, and they, and they give his character, like, this weird, like, they give him, like, so many great little moments. Like, that when he's, like, uh, the, the, him with the, with the, the blind woman, like, with feeling Joan the Allen. Yeah. Joan Allen, exactly. I wanted to say Joan Didion, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be probably a little higher on the damn list. Uh, <laughs> it's a stunt casting like that. Um, but when they're, like, touching the tiger and, like, the fucking like synth soundtrack also one of the best soundtracks in a film what a great i i put i took like um the was it uh the prime movers song that uh 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 i don't know i can't i can't remember like that stronger mm-hmm. uh but uh put that on my like lift driving list for when i'm driving uh which is okay. a little weird maybe i should take that off the list when i think about it. like maybe don't have the song that <laughs> Yeah, Tom Noonan is like thinking about murdering people too on uh, on your lift list. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, nah, just a great movie. Was super impressed by it. And and here's the deal too. Like this also because it's like so recent. This probably movie does have the chance of like getting off the list pretty quickly too. Because like for all I know, I'm just like sometimes you'll see like a movie and be like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And so maybe like in a month or something it'll be. But right now it's 21, baby. Yeah, uh, there nice. You go. Uh, my number 21 from 1968, uh, Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West, Ooh. another Western mm-hmm. of the same time period as The Wild Bunch. This is um, <sighs> sweeping operatic, mm-hmm. just p- the purest of pure cinema. Yep. Uh, Bronson, Robards, uh, Claudia Cardinale, God. and then... Um, of course, Henry Fonda, who's playing the villain in the film. Uh, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's such a, uh, it's just breathtaking. 
mm-hmm. kind of the 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 and it's one of Leone's one of those filmmakers who's kind of like in the same vein, I guess, almost as De Palma in a way. Um, perhaps was doing kind of movies on the lesser respected end of genre, mm-hmm. or kind of you know his movies are very violent too. But um, as the years go on, and you're like, man. This is so much better and so much more exciting and so much more interesting than any of like the so-called whatever one best picture in 1968, like the class, the classy movies or whatever. You're just like, this is so beautiful and sweeping. The Ennio Morricone score is, you know, we we listen to it around the house. It's just, and every time you see it, like I'll never forget, uh, we went on this big Bronson kick. Um over the course of quarantine and um jenna just watched murphy's law and no offense to murphy's law but she threw this on afterwards and she was like boy this really teaches you the difference in what movies can look like and like feel like you know just kind (laughs) of like wow same actor but it's just like just the way it's put together leone's close-ups the use of music the everything being so dramatic and so big um it's just it's ravishing and it's such a beautiful film uh and you know it's not you know good the bad and the ugly was my favorite leone movie for years and years and years and this is only a pretty recent switch although no good the bad and the ugly is a freaking runner-up on this oh, list yeah. too uh one of the most important movies of my life but once upon a time in the west is just poetry mm-hmm. so that's my number 21 nice Uh, My number 20 is uh, Paper Moon. Oh, great. By Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, I love Paper Moon. Uh, What a great uh, movie. Uh, Ryan Neal is Moe's. Tatum O'Neill is uh, Addie. Uh, you know, I think like uh, if I remember correctly, Randy Quaid plays like the wrestler, like the guy he wrestles for the for the truck, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just like one of these things where I love um, I love a good fuck up, I love a good uh, I love like a kind of a, lo- a lovable loser, and Ryan O'Neill is like this just total slime ball, total sleaze ball, uh, you know, selling uh, you know it's like the dep- uh, the 30s, like you know mid depression. Pre World War II, he's just selling uh, Bibles to the to the to deceased to the to the, the widow, recent widows. He'll find widows and you know the newspaper clippings, and uh, you know he'll look in the obituaries, and then he'll go to their houses and uh, you know uh, sell them a Bible or two, uh, claiming that their husbands purchased them before they uh, were uh, deceased, uh, and um, the movie begins with him at a. Uh, at a, uh, a funeral, and uh, the uh, mother, like, um, basically the Addie's mother, Tatum O'Neill's character's mother is dead. And when he's at this funeral, uh, people at the funeral like ask uh, <laughs> Mose to bring her along for the ride, uh, you know, to drive him, drive her to St. Joseph, Missouri. And uh, you know, initially he's like against it, but then uh, it's also. If I remember correctly, he takes like the two hundred dollars that was uh, Tatum O'Neill's and like uses it to buy a car or like <laughs> fix up his car, and she finds out about that, and eventually uh, he has to start paying her back. And uh, what I love about this movie, it's one of the it's the only movie I enjoy, with the exception of maybe Home Alone on a Good Day, uh, where uh, uh, usually I hate precocious kids, 
or like kids that are like you know smart as the adults or like you know super genius because it's like no kids like that be a little yeah it's Uh, gonna be a little grading oh 100 but this movie uh does it perfectly because the kid is smart but she's also very much still a kid and a little bit of an asshole and the adults she's around are all dumb losers and so it's like just it, 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 there's like this delicate type rope this film walks that uh it, it's just it, it, it's just it's the tone like it it, it it makes everything feel uh pretty much like it's as real as a situation like this can feel in a film without it being cloying or silly mm-hmm. uh and I love that, like uh, the kid, like uh, comes back with uh, with Ryan O'Neill with Moe's in the end, even though uh, you know he uh, he got beat up and he's clearly the bad. Because that's the thing; that's why it works. Because like Addie, like she does the wrong thing a lot. Like she sticks with this asshole. Yeah, but he has to learn something too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- oh, totally. It's so I don't know. It's just so it's so good. I love it. Also, Laszlo Kovacs's cinematography is beautiful. That one end shot where they're just going down the road together. Yeah, it's a good look. It's a good looking film. That's oh, a great God. choice. Yeah, and then like yeah, and then like yeah, and all the little secrets like uh, yeah, like him like being a great wrestler or whatever, <laughs> like or, like uh, or not a great wrestler, he's just good at like tricking people. Uh, but uh, yeah, good good great movie. Give it a watch. Uh, there we go. Uh, my number twenty, nineteen fifty seven. Ingmar Bergman's Wild Strawberries. Uh, this is a movie that holds great importance for me. I saw it for the first time when I was in college. Like a lot of these movies. And for some reason, um, I don't know how this started, but I've been doing it for about 15 years now. Well, give or take, yeah. Um, I watch Wild Strawberries on New Year's Day every year. Wow. Uh, It has nothing to do with the New Year's holiday. But to me, it has everything to do about like life and thinking about kind of thinking back on things, your dreams, your fantasies, your regrets. And, you know, Professor Isak at the end of it, you know, is kind of, I find I, I find it very a very moving and beautiful film about acceptance of life. And, you know, what better time than uh, New Year's Day when you're kind of thinking about all the shit you want to change about yourself <laughs> um, to watch something about kind of going through your life and accepting your ups and downs mm-hmm. and who you are and trying your best to, to find peace with things. And I just find the film, you know, it's only about 90 minutes long. Um, just it's, 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 it's just a movie that I, I feel like every time I watch it too, I feel like this is going to be a movie that's with me the rest of my life that I'm going to continue to come back to continue to learn from, continue to take things from. Um, I know what, you know, every time I watch it, I know all the beats. It's one of those ones where you kind of know all the scenes, you know, all the beats, but it's still, it's like, it just, yeah, it just moves me in a big, big way. And, uh, and I also like that. I kind of like get up early on new year's day. I watch it alone. Too. it's not really a shared experience mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like 
it, it it always feels like a great way to start off the year, both in terms of kind of the themes of the film and also just being inspired by the art of the film. So my number 20, uh, Wild Strawberries, directed by Ingmar Bergman. My number 19. Uh, this is a movie I saw over the summer, last summer. Man, it's been like a year, which is crazy. Um, uh, and this is the only movie that I saw last year that I saw multiple times because I just, I love the performances in it so much. And they've really stuck with me. And, and I, because of this movie, I've like looked for other movies with these actors in them. Like I've purposely tried to watch other films with like four or five of these different actors. And that is uh, The Big Knife, directed by Robert Aldrich. Oh, yes. Fuck, it's such a good movie. I love this movie. Uh, and I, it's weird because like, it kind of has like a lower than I would expect grade on Letterboxd. And I don't like it's so I think people are annoyed with it because like most of it takes place in like this dude's house. But I fucking love that. Like, I don't very know. Very theatrical, like, very melodramatic. Which I that's nothing just, wrong with either yeah, of those things. Exactly. Like people need to. It's a fucking movie. It's not a document documentary. Like, I don't know. Like, and, and it's like, you know, here's the thing. Like, sometimes melodrama can be annoying if it's like over the top and shit. But uh, if it's interesting it's good like if the actors and like jack palance is like so great in this he's weird, great he's it's such and it's like on paper i would hate his role <laughs> like his like charlie castle or the actor like it's like oh he's like complaining about like whether or not he's an artist boohoo like who gives a shit you live in this fucking mansion asshole grow up <laughs> but he like adds such like melancholy and it truly does feel like he sold his soul to like the devil aka rod steiger who's so good is this weird like oh, what a scumbag weird sleazeball and then he has like his sidekick smiley coy or whatever like wendell corey he's so good like there's like there's like 10 actors in this that give like killer performance like jack palance gives a killer performance all the three female leads like Ida lapino gene hagan there's a hagan or H- hagan right yeah uh she- shelly winters crushes it like i watched like 10 shelly winters movies because of this it's a very shelly winters role Oh, uh, she's so good. One of my favorite actresses. Like, that's the thing, too, is, like, this movie, because of this, like, I didn't... I'd never watched a Jack Palance film or a Shelley Winters film before this, and now, like, I'm, like, constantly looking for their stuff. Like, I found, like, I have two favorite actors because of this. Even, like, the little, like, a... Uh, like, the little, like, Nick Dennis, is, I think, his name. Like, the dude who's also in um, the other Robert Aldrich movie with, like, the nuke, or what is it, Deadly Silence, or Kiss Me Deadly, that's it. Oh, yes. Nick Dennis, yeah, he plays, like, the mechanic in that. Oh, great. Oh, Kiss Me Deadly could have made this list. It's a weird, that is a wild film. Oh, man. But, uh, but like, I don't know, like, and I think I feel like, yeah, Robert Aldrich, this is, like, the... Yeah, I just, I love this. And it's, and I think, for me, it's a combination of, like, also the fact that, like, it commits to a shitty ending so many movies don't do the shitty ending at the end in this movie he he fucking he does the deed yeah. it's 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 so dark it's so it's so awesome yeah you know, it's it rules and it's so sad and i love it it's like uh it definitely seems to be something we like is like finishing the job even if it leads to devastation in your yeah. story <laughs> like, yeah oh i love that i love like i just love um Hey, this goes to you know i mean obviously we talked about chinatown already um mm-hmm. we talked about network even going to that place of like yeah i gotta kill him yep gotta kill him gotta gotta do this even though it'll cost me my soul my sanity my life and yeah. then yeah and that definitely is a recurring theme on my list like people 
slowly losing themselves or people doing something to the point of it ruining their lives. Uh, like, yeah, their competence leading to their... Yeah. Yeah, that is such an interesting theme. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Uh, there we go. Keep, keep an eye out for a few more. Um, it's interesting, Kiss Me Deadly came up, my number 19. Mm-hmm. 1994. Whoa. Pulp Fiction. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Um, late edition of my list. Uh, but I kind of was going back in time and going through things. Pulp Fiction is the most important movie of my life. Yeah. Uh, in terms of kind of changing the trajectory of anything I was ever interested in. Interesting. Um, I loved movies. You know, Pulp Fiction, I was 12 when it came out. Um, I love movies. Pulp Fiction was the first movie that, like, I saw the big picture of, like, who made it. This idea of, like, there's a creative force behind it. Um, and it's really and also this idea that they could be like cool and creative and dangerous frankly my mom would not let me see full fiction probably rightfully so but that's cool though it makes it it cooler yes it it created this level of like and I was so upset I just I, I read every single thing that came out about it I was so curious about it. All the pictures of it, all the, like, I mean, it was just the poster of her smoking in the bed. Um, you know, the, the whole John Travolta comeback thing. Bruce Willis, who I love from Die Hard. I just, like, top to bottom, I was so curious about it. And I am. Um, so, my the very, very typical parent thing is that they don't want you to do that, but they also uh, would, heaven forbid, they would stop you from reading anything so they bought me the published Pulp Fiction screenplay that I had memorized before I saw Pulp Fiction right um sitting on my bookshelf back there the same copy uh covered in stains but also has Quentin Tarantino's autograph in it because I, oh. when, when I met him that was what I wanted to get uh what I wanted to get signed was my um beloved dog-eared copy of the Pulp Fiction script. Uh, How I finally saw it, um, there was a grocery store on the walk home from middle school that it showed up a previously viewed copy of the video cassette. I asked them to put it on hold. I hoarded lunch money for that week and I bought it without telling my parents that I was buying it. And I snuck it in the house like it was pornography waited till I got the chance in the middle of the night and I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the rest is history. Uh, But it's, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it it just, you know, when when we're putting together a list like this, you can either, you do a lot, I mean, fortunately the movie's very good on top of all that, but Mm. kind of the story and the feeling behind it, you know, I mean, even like coming down here, and like going to I've talked to friends who are about my age about it, like going to his movie theater or like during the once upon a time in Hollywood thing, actually seeing him around mm-hmm. at a few events, like there's still a level of like just get giddy memory and nostalgia and feeling for how you felt when he first arrived and kind of like was a one man force in like changing the way you thought about things because it wasn't just that he made these movies. He also, every interview he does, he talks about 10 other movies that you've never heard of before. And that makes you want to dive in deeper 
and like check out more stuff. And I mean, like so many of these things, I mean, I'm already brought up with the wild bunch, but I mean, once upon a time in the West, you could put in that mix. There's a few others probably down the line. You can put that mix to this day. You know, when I go to the new Beverly and see something that I've never heard of before and walk out and be like, man, that was cool. Like what, a, what a cool curatorial choice. Like it just, you know, it, Pulp Fiction was kind of, yeah, the kind of very, very beginning of all of this kind of this next level of passion for me. And, you know, again, like Wild Strawberries, it's going to be a movie that I continue to come back to over and over again because of that. And so very deserving number 19 spot on my list. Awesome. I love, yeah, that's a, an incredible movie. Uh, and I just, yeah, also like it spawned like a genre, like, he, for better like, or worse for, yeah, better, for better or worse, or worse yeah. yeah and it's not like uh or maybe not a genre maybe like a legion of imitators but like you can't like deny that like it was the movie it might be the most influential movie of the 90s it's oh, like yeah yeah it's, it's pretty much yeah. like it's either pulp fiction maybe you could make an argument for the matrix maybe but i think honestly nah i'd say pulp fiction above the matrix probably i can't think of it, any other it's the seismic impact of it i mean the only other one that i think it, it just didn't have its impact in the 90s, but I think you can make an argument that Rushmore uh, has had a massive influence on a lot of different films that followed. But, that's um, actually pretty true, especially like when you look at indie yeah. cinema. Like, yeah, like, yeah, because it's funny, like um, a movie I thought about putting on my list uh, was uh, Me and You and Everyone We Know. Uh, and like that movie doesn't exist without Rushmore, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's still, yeah. I definitely a movie that followed kind of the, the Wes Anderson playbook. Yep, exactly. Uh, Good movie, but oh, yes. it rules. Yeah, um, and it's an interesting. Oh, yeah, eh, it's yeah. like it's an interesting movie. Almost. So, uh, what do you got? What do you got for eighteen? Eighteen. Ooh, man, it's a good one. I love this movie, uh, and it was such a shock when I watched it, and I didn't realize a movie uh, from this uh, from this time could be like this uh, weird and different like it's just a movie that uh uh like it was made in 1955 and i didn't realize a film made in the mid 50s could like be so bizarre uh the night of the hunter beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing for inwardly they are ravening wolves Um, just missed my list. Night Hunter is uh, one of my favorites too. It's yeah. so, it's so good. It's like, um, and Robert Mitchum, it might be his best performance. Uh, you know, I haven't seen, I need, there's definitely some key Mitchums I'm missing in my, you know, I haven't seen Cape Fear, for example. You know, there's like a bunch of, but like, fuck, he's so crazy in this movie. And I love like, um, the, uh, the dollhouse feel of so it feels like I'm watching like a just a very disturbing fairy tale. It's unfold. a it, it's an absolute one of a kind movie. Yeah. Obviously, because it's also Charles Lawton's only movie and as a director a too. What a shame! Because it's yeah. like it's crazy. It's such an ins insane film, and like God, like the, some of the visuals that will stick with me forever. Like you know, Shelley Winters underwater. Yeah. Uh, another seat, another Shelly Rinters joint. It was what I thought of when you talked about the big knife was that exact shot of her underwater. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. It's like, a, 
in this movie, like, um, you know, there's like, I think there's like two endings. I feel like this movie, uh, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, like how Don Giovanni, there's like the, uh, there's like the part where he gets dragged to hell and that feels like the real ending. But then there's like this tacked on ending where like everyone like comes out to sing about like, oh, well, you shouldn't be a bad person or else you'll get sent to hell. Yeah. And so like, and I feel like this movie has that too, where like, you know, you have the one ending where everyone's happy with Lillian, G- uh, Lillian uh, Gish or Gish? Gish. Gish. Okay, just want to make sure. With uh, Lillian Gish, and they're, like, opening their presents and whatnot, and life is key, peachy keen. And that's fine. I like that. But, uh, and you have the other ending where, like, they all go and hang, uh, they hang. Hang Robert Mitchell. Yeah. It's so fucking dark, and I love it. Well, he's got to pay. Oh, He's totally. got to pay. He has to. He's, like, such yeah. an evil, he's quite possibly one of the most evil, disturbing freaks in cinema. Yeah, story of uh, left hand, right hand. A story of love and hate. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> what a weird... Him, like, I could just watch him screaming all day. Just it's, screaming It's a really stuff. brave performance because you don't see a lot of actors of that era mm-hmm. willing to go that bonkers. Yeah. The way it, he does in that movie, in a great way. Yeah, it's like him and, like, yeah, Rod Steiger probably, too, maybe. It's like, there's, a, there's very few. Yeah, but I mean, even, like, because, I mean, and yeah, I mean, the thing about Mitchum, and we may we may be discussing Mitchum further mm-hmm. uh, a little bit down the line, but, uh, you know, he kind of personified laid-back cool in a lot of his other films, and he is not laid-back cool oh, in no. this movie <laughs> at all. Total, yeah, total sociopath, total freakazoid. It's so good. One of the all-time great villains. Uh, yeah, yeah, ten out of ten. Go watch. Uh, go watch this movie, folks. It's it's weird and good. It, and pause unique. it. Pause the episode. Watch it. It's worth it if you haven't yeah. seen it. Obviously, uh, way worth it. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So, um, my number eighteen is actually a pretty new to me mm-hmm. movie. Uh, probably the newest to me movie actually on the list. Uh, I only saw it for the first time. I think a year, two years ago. Okay. Two years yeah. ago, probably. Um, yeah. But oh boy, uh, this is, film is called "Come and See," directed by Elam Kilov. I pardon my pronunciation. It's from Russia, 1985. It's a war film that is got to be the most devastating war movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it truly has images that stick with you. For I mean, unforgettable. It's a, it's an unforgettable incredibly difficult poetic watch mm-hmm. that probably it's not the most rewatchable movie on here just because it is so so difficult and so kind of harrowing to watch but I mean it kind of because they Criterion and Janus Films did a big re-release of it the last year and a half and it's really um, kind of came back in the kind of art film world kind of public eye quite a bit and in the last couple of years and it re- i remember hearing about it in college from a friend of mine my friend jesse uh shout out to him still still a good friend uh and he was raving about it and i never got a chance to see it then and then the dvd went out of print for a while and was kind of lost but not lost but just dip more a little more difficult to find but criterion has put out this beautiful new blu-ray edition of it that really lives up to everything and presents it really well has a uh special feature it's um one of the favorites of the cinematographer roger deakins Mm. and it the cinematography in it is truly astonishing and there's a lot of like how in the world did they do that in 1985 
qualities to it, but it, it, you know, a lot of war movies claim to be anti-war, but kind of are titillating and thrilling regardless. Like even something like apocalypse now, right. Um, come and see does not make any of it seem like a good time. <laughs> and I mean, it makes it seem like a, just, it's truly awful, but not awful as a movie, but the, everything the lead the character into this little this boy goes through is it's yeah it's, it's russian too yeah. I, mean, let's, <laughs> you know, I mean you know but it's I, I couldn't recommend it more if you're if a obviously it's a challenging watch mm-hmm. but it's uh it's an altering one too and this really you know something you said earlier which really rang true patrick it's hard the more movies you watch, you think you've kind of seen it all. Yeah. And then when something like this comes along that you have not seen before and really, really blows you away, it, it makes an impact. So uh, 18, come and see. Man, I really want to watch this now. Uh, and the poster looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I just on the Wikipedia page and I was like, it's like, oh man, this is a, uh, looks like uh, just, yeah. All the, the little boy up front, and then all the shadows of soldiers. Yeah. We uh, next up is like uh, this is my no, this is my number seventeen. This is like a Clifford, kinda... starring the late Charles Grodin. <laughs> yeah, Clifford. Oh man, another harrowing film in its own right. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. A King. Yeah, true one. True one, uh, man. I hope he's screaming. No, I'm not going to say anything about him in heaven. Scream. Clifford would not be in heaven. He's in hell. Uh, the character Clifford. Uh, the character. <laughs> the character Clifford is in hell. Martin Short, you get to go to heaven, but oh, he's uh, going to heaven. He's going you to heaven. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. All all Martins go to heaven. Uh, <laughs> I hope all. Well, maybe not all Martins. I don't know. Who knows? Like, yeah. He's probably. <laughs> who's pro- I mean, gosh, you know, knowing this universe, probably yeah, hey, a nasty uh, one. Hey, uh, somewhere out there. Tell uh, tell <laughs> at the Academy. Tell us which Martins deserve to go to hell. Yes, give us a shitty Martin. <laughs> give us hashtag shitty Martin. Shitty Martin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I'm looking this up, my friend. Martin Balsam, Martin Sheen, Martin great, Landau, Martin great. Luther King Jr., Martin Scorsese. Those oh, are great Martins. <laughs> those are great Martin. None of them. Heaven all around. Heaven, all of them. <laughs> those are heaven Martins. No bad Martins. Hashtag no bad. No Martins. bad Martins. <laughs> uh, my number seventeen is like such a. Uh, God, it's like the opposite of the film he described. Uh, Broadcast News. Oh, wonderful film. Oh, it's so good. It's so perfect. Uh, I think it's like a... I have a couple films on here that I would describe as perfect films um, in the sense that, like, it it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It sets out and achieves exactly what it's supposed to achieve. Um, The script is perfect. The performances are perfect. Three um, just terrific characters. Oh, exactly. They're so well written. They're so entertaining. And it's one of those films where, like, it manages to be bittersweet in a way that's still, like, somehow life-affirming. Mm-hmm. It rules. It's such a, it's such a great, like, it's a pick-me-up movie, but it's also, like, uh... It's kind of melancholy in a way as well, because each of these characters are so like. I think it goes the way it's supposed to go. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's like it, it's, but it's also like 
even though it is it goes the way it's supposed to go, you want uh, you know you want Albert Brooks to be well. You want like Helen. You want all these characters to be happy, mm-hmm. and they sort of get happy in the end. Except they're kind of like I think they have their own hurdles and towards the end as well. I don't know. It's just but they still are who they are. I mean, there's yeah. something there are some things you age and get mature and change, but um, in a lot of cases, you are who you are. Yeah, and you know. Bill Hurd is gonna be kind of the handsome bland guy. Yep, and he but he plays it so well. It's brilliant. It, He's it's brilliant. So like yeah. it's, it's he. It is the best. Like fuck, I've never thought of Will. Hurd. I think part of why I'm so shocked is I've, I've you know I grew up in a post like uh, like my my only experience of William Hurt was like like AI like mm. that era William Hurt. So I'd never seen William Hurt. Is in a in the context of being a big old hunk. The early '80s, he was a, I mean, as big of a star and acclaimed actor as uh, you, you could put out there. I mean, you throw this in the mix. You got uh, obviously the big chill. Uh, he won the Academy Award for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh yeah. Um, he altered states is a fucking wild one. <laughs> uh, he was also what was it? Uh, Children of a Lesser God, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Marley Martin. Yeah, he's that. he's a little bit later too. He's absolutely terrific in History of Violence, the Cronenberg film. Ooh, that's such a good movie. Uh, it's that's a, that's a really good movie. It's such a good movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like a movie I'm gonna watch multiple times. I have a feeling uh, I've only seen it once, but I definitely want to watch it. Like, I want to watch it again, and I think it's a great like. Uh, it's just like I don't know. It's like for adults too, in a way that I really appreciate. It's yeah. not like it's such a fucking like, and it's like for adults in a way that isn't like uh, I can show this to my parents and we can watch it together, and it's not super gross and uncomfortable. It's not edgy, but it's about adult people trying to keep their jobs and just kind of like succeed in their universe. Exactly. But their universe is also not like extraordinary. Like, I guess it is if they are on TV. No, but, but it isn't like, yeah, no, it's not. There's nothing heightened about it. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing like uh, with the exception of maybe like everyone's like maybe like a fraction too smart. Like they're, you know, like the, the dialogue. Also, the, one of the great Jack Nicholson cameos. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, he's absolutely the right person as this godlike figure who deems mm-hmm. his presence every once in a while. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I made like a 32 seed Jack Nicholson bracket recently. I put this movie on there. Like well, I think if you do thirty-two seeds, I think you put. This... I think you could do. You could do a thirty-two of Jack. Oh, I mean, he's got. He's got it, obviously. Oh, totally. Oh man, but uh, there we go. Yeah, broadcast news. James L. Brooks is by far his best film, too. Like, just... um, yeah, and yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan. Yep. Uh, number seventeen. I'll make it quick because it has been covered by the Academy Academy and will be covered again. By oh, the shit. Academy Academy. We're talking about 1975's Oh yeah, there we go. Dog Day Afternoon, directed Ooh. by Sidney Lamet. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah, I mean I I expressed myself pretty clear, I think, on a few weeks ago with on our Cozy Orland episode, and you know, we'll do it again soon enough. And it's yeah, it's big, big showdown with the Godfather Part Two, Godfather Part Two. Uh spoiler, just missed this list as well. Um, but yeah, Dog Day Afternoon, I think it's just a mess. So yep. we can we can just jump straight to sixteen because we've talked about it. Oh man, that's so funny because my sixteen is another movie that's on our list. All right. 
I'm putting The Godfather here. <laughs> I love that movie. I've saw, I saw it like uh, I've seen it like three times now since we first watched it. Saw it once with my family, twice on my own, and uh, you know, and I'm kind of like including Godfather Part Two in this as well. And I, cause I, I vacillate between which one I like more. They're both so good, but like uh, The Godfather, I've seen more than Godfather Part Two, so I think I'm just gonna put The Godfather. Probably seen The Godfather like one or two more times than. Uh, uh, part two, because I only saw part two with this podcast. Uh, mm. and Godfather, I had a, a prehistory with, and like, uh, yeah, like uh, we've already talked about the Godfather at Infinitum. Like, perfect movie. Uh, <laughs> Probably talk more Godfather very soon. Oh, we will, hundred <laughs> percent, and uh, yeah, and more ways than one, and uh, just like a lot of great character actors, a lot of great moments. I don't know, like just listen to our podcasts about the Godfather. It was a good episode, I think. Oh, I love that episode. That's my favorite. That might be one of my favorite ones we've done. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, and it just, the Godfather it just slaps. Just every yeah. character's great. I love, I also just love Marlon Brando dying and his little, little grandson is shooting water at his crotch or whatever when he's done. <laughs> what a, what a great ending. Yeah, weird. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird way to go. Uh, your turn. Uh, my number 16 is the oldest film on my list. It's uh, from 1947, directed by Jacques Tourneur. Uh, out of the past out of the past is a film noir that stars robert mitchum uh it is a movie it is the epitome for me of like a comfort movie it is also i think the greatest film noir Mm -hmm. as well um it just it hits all the notes the dialogue is so great uh basically you know quick rundown of the storyline so robert mitchum is working at a um like auto repair gas station take place in this small town. He's got a girlfriend. He goes fishing. He just seemed like a regular guy. Um, then all of a sudden this henchman comes to town and says, you're wanted. And what we find out is that he gets drugged to Lake Tahoe where he's met by mobster played by Kirk Douglas. And um, Mitchum is a private investigator who had been sent to Mexico to track down Kirk Douglas's wife, who's played by Jane Greer. And then um, stuff happened. And now Kirk Douglas wants to put it all together again. There are so many twists. That doesn't even do a lot of justice to how many twists mm-hmm. there are in the film. Um, and Mitchum just kind of personifies like the, he's so cool. He's got the best lines. Like, I mean, I, just so many, like, I, I don't think I could even like say them out loud to do them justice. Cause you have to hear it in the dulcet tones of Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's really, it's, I mean, it's got it all. It's got the, it's got the photography you want. It's got the performances you want. It's got the hard boiled detective guy, the beautiful, but you cannot trust her in the slightest femme fatale. Um, Mitchum and Jane Greer, uh, just look striking together and it's just it's a movie that i i remember um we had some friends over when i was in my 20s and we we tried to start a movie night and it didn't go very far but i a bunch of people in their 20s i played this movie for them and every one of them was just fully engaged and involved in it and they were like gasping at how cool some of the lines were some of the twists and stuff like that and when it was over it was like that was really good 
And I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's so entertaining. It's so good. I mean, you'll see, you all will see it on many kind of like film noir 101. I'm a film noir, pretty passionate film noir fan. I watch as many of them as I can. Uh, you know, I'm kind of heading into more of the obscure realm of them now, but um, out of the past, it's just, it's been in my top 20 movies of all time forever. It just, it's a movie that just holds a really big place in my heart. And, um, you know, just talking about it right now makes me want to watch it. So I'm looking for, I want to watch, uh, I want to watch this as well. I'd like, man, I think I should have, I should have kept count of how many of your movies I have not seen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, and they're all like movies that I, I know are like, they're on like lists that I have to watch, like of films that I have to watch. So I'm just, I'm kind of like, I want you to, God, we should like uh, swap lists or something yeah. done just so we like know we have everything checked out. Well, we will, um, we'll post them after the show's aired. Uh, so there's like a list online yeah. and people can see as well. Uh, but yeah, I think like, yeah, my list is definitely kind of classical, but you know. It's a my great taste. list. That's my taste. So yeah, you know, no, sue me. It's good. It's don't sue. Yeah, don't sue Don. No, the, the please list, don't. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he's, he's a dad. Don't sue him. Yeah, he's a father. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, I think it's a great. Like I love. I want to see all these movies. Uh, and it's not like my list is any. Like if anything, mine's just a bunch of dopier films. Uh, here yeah, we go. they're all very fun though, and they're oh. good. You got great films on your list. Oh, thank you. Uh, God, that. Uh, I might want to swallow those words in a second. Number 15, uh, Shrek 3. No, I'm just kidding. There it I, is. I, I wouldn't. Nice try. Not not happening. Not happening. Uh, number 15 is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, excellent. excellent. I love It's like, uh, it's so funny because I we brought up, I brought up how I wanted to put Jingle All the Way. And it's like, I can't fucking put Jingle All the Way on my, like, you know. But the other movie I see every Christmas uh, without fail is It's a Wonderful Life. We see it every, and it's like one of those movies where uh, I had a similar relationship with it uh, that I had with Jingle All the Way, where like, you know, hated it or loved it, then I hated it, and now I like I love it again. Uh, I also just love how unbashedly, you know, it's a Capra film. It's like unbashedly sentimental, uh, you know. Uh, powerful gets dark. Oh, I mean, it's it's grim when he's yeah. at his own when he's at his brother's uh, uh, tombstone and like Pottersville. I don't know. It's like it's just like and I, when I think of this movie, I think of like watching movies with my mom and dad. Like it's such a uh, like this is like the film I've probably seen with my family the most in my life. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's great in it. Uh, just every little character actor is great in it. Um, God, it's just uh, it's just a fun. It's a great movie. I, 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 you know, everyone, if you haven't seen it, like how? I feel like it almost, that's almost a hate crime if you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> uh, give it a watch. Just watch. It's a wonderful. And it's like, and here's the thing. Here's the little dirty secret. You, you don't have to watch it like during Christmas. You can watch this. You, don't. Damn, you can watch this damn film whenever you want. Uh, also, Henry Travers is Clarence. God damn, I love Clarence. I wish everyone. You should. Everyone should be able to have an angel that could uh, <laughs> that can let them see the world. What would it be like without them? Uh, I feel like I don't know. We'd live in a better place, maybe, if you could do that. Uh, so there we go. It's a wonderful life. Perfect Great. movie. Yeah. Uh, my number fifteen uh, from the year nineteen seventy, directed by Bob Rafelson. The film is Five Easy Pieces. Mm. Um, yeah, just one of my favorites. 
is uh, infinite influence on the kind of writing that I like to do. Right. Uh, it's definitely kind of in that mix of the most influential <laughs> to me uh, creatively and kind of, frankly, the movies that I want to try and create myself would be along this line. Has my uh, has an all time Jack Nicholson performance. It's one. You know, our guest from this past week, my brother and I <laughs> talked about his performance as uh, Bobby Dupay in, uh, you know, a measure, innumerable amount of times. Um, it's kind of the definitive, if you ask me, Jack performance, because he really kind of captured kind of the angry man of that era. And, you know, for those of you who don't know the storyline, basically, um, kind of almost like out of the past, in a sense, Nicholson is... Um, we meet him. He's a kind of a roughneck oil worker, and uh, he's got his girlfriend, who's played by the great Karen Black. You know, he's kind of just kind of goes bowling with friends, getting drinking, getting into fights. He's cheating on his girlfriend. You know, all this kind of stuff. And then um, he gets word that his father is deathly ill, and we find out that he actually comes from the Pacific Northwest for money and from a family of cla- of highly trained classical musicians. Oh, wow. And he is a um, terrific pianist. Hmm. And um, he kind of ha- he has to go back to visit with his dad and kind of face his family, but he's, he's a real rough guy. He's got some real issues. He's pretty, um, you know, especially by today's standards, he's an unlikable guy. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's not really really fascinating and really I mean really really interesting to watch I mean our guest Kyle Clark would say this was a this is a hardcore 70s this is 70s (laughs) as a movie gets and it kind of is and you know but um it's just it's just it's again I mean like as we go through the list I mean the last few you know five easy pieces out of the past dog the afternoon there's just movies that I've seen many 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 times and I just will continue to see many times they just are style, tone, rhythm, all of it work for me. And yeah, Five Easy Pieces has never been far from my top 20 of all time. And yeah, I couldn't recommend it higher. But yeah, I just remember he's, you know, the kind of guy that would not be well received in modern times. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a very I mean, one of my favorite endings, which I will not reveal. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to watch another movie, another classic. Patrick needs to watch this. <clears throat> Jack Nicholson is another actor that I just don't know. I wish I watched more of his films. I have God, because I, I to me like I associate Jack Nicholson with like for some weird reason I see him and I think the bad guy. Like, I just yeah. associate him with, like, The Departed and Batman. Uh, the Michael Keaton Batman, obviously. Although it'd be really funny if he was the Joker in The Dark Knight. The dang Joker. He's the dang back. Joker, if they brought that back in that in the Christopher Nolan version. Yeah. That, that Nicholson performance, which is I great. Think, I think that if they'd had the chance to work together, uh, Jack would have done some really interesting stuff with Christopher Nolan. But, oh, you know. 100%, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite actors, period. Like, oh, he's just, an I, I'm, uh, yeah, his run from five easy pieces through, uh, or not, uh, pardon me, um, easy rider through, um, the shining is pre, in my opinion, at least pretty unimpeachable. Mm. 
I, yeah, no, I uh, I don't disagree. He's definitely every. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Jack Nicholson performance where like he's like the you know even if the movie's bad, he's not the problem. He's 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 like Al. I mean, he's he's just a star. Yeah, you know, he's just it's fun to watch. He, he, does, great, he does crazy shit. He has a great persona. It rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, number fourteen. Number fourteen. Uh, the stamps.com number 14 pick of the week uh <laughs> king of comedy Hell yeah. The King of Comedy is so good. Oh, man. It's uh... Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Oh, man. I don't oh. know if I'll have time, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Just in his weird little man cave with all his. Oh, what an insane setup. All those like cardboard fans he made. Oh, God. And just uh, I think it's like my favorite Robert uh, De Niro performance of all time. He's awesome uh, in it. He's so absolutely good. awesome in it. it was, I think this is our first Scorsese of the list, too. Oh, yeah. Will it be our last? We, we, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> You're uh, talking to two white dudes yeah. in their 30s. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you bet your ass they're straight as hell. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, but, and do, uh, they, and do they love Marty Scorsese? <laughs> Yeah, I think they love Marty oh, yeah. My my fedora just grew three sizes. Uh, but uh, oh man, he's it's so good. It's like a uh, also another great example of a movie that uh, uh, that um, moles over the uh, effects of uh, of uh, fandom or like you know like the the, the relationship between fan and cr- creator and consumer. Uh, I just, uh, it's, and that's like something I'm, I'm interested in personally. Uh, also Sandra Bernhard. Yeah. Fucking great and terrifying in this movie. What a great supporting role. Same with, um, Jerry Lewis. Oh yeah. Jerry's perfect in this. Yeah. yeah his contempt. Well, probably cause his contempt is very real. Yeah. <laughs> like not a happy man. Well, uh, they have that scene where he like is walking down the street. De Niro's not even in it. He's the fans. He's like, fuck you, Jerry. Like we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so good. Everyone, it's so good. Yeah, everyone watch the King of Comedy. It's good. It, I mean, obviously, I think it's I think it's um, reputation has only grown mm-hmm. in recent years, but you know, it, it's it's a high level Scorsese. If you oh, ask me, 
And it's like, and it's funny because like this movie works for me. Like I, I'll let someone in um, a movie that didn't make my list. I watched Raging Bull two nights ago, which is an excellent film. But here's like a controversial statement. I'm going to say, actually, you know what? I don't know. Um, you know, I'll fuck it. I, I love Raging Bull. It's a great movie, but it also like infuriates me. Is Jake uh, Lamada too awful? He's so awful and he doesn't learn. It's like, but it's like, but here's the thing is like my, uh, Martin Scorsese, like he's like, I think it's a testament to his skills. Cause like the only time I've ever had such a visceral reaction. Cause like I watched it in high school and I liked Raging Bull watching it again. I had this visceral reaction where I was like, I fucking hate this asshole, this bad man. And, uh, the only other movie I can think of, uh, that had, I had a similar visceral reaction was Phantom Thread. Oh. I, I so disagreed with the ending. That ending pissed me off so much. Where it's like you're gonna just be a little poison baby. I hate you, you horrible <laughs> man. Don't you freak? You don't have to poison yourself to. I I, I remember <laughs> like, but like that's like that, that, that's a testament to how great they are as filmmakers. That I feel because like a lot of movies, I just don't. You know, most movies, I feel nothing. Like, and uh, and I think like uh, I might give Raging Bull another watch because like it's so on the razor's edge of like being in like my top favorite movies of all time and uh and being one of my like uh like I respect it because it's like it's like a movie I respect hardcore like if I was making the top 20 movies I respect it'd be like number 10 or something probably but I think I think this proves that we want movies that have like characters that do challenge who are complicated who are not um all good or all bad yeah or like i guess like it's like all good or all bad but then for some reason though like i think it's just that like pumpkin is so i think part of it is that pumpkin is so pathetic <laughs> and then i think that like contributes and it's just uh and it's just uh i maybe it's like i i grok to that his more it feels that feels more real to me than like uh because i think it's just the fact that raging bull he wields so much power where pumpkin really is like so like you know, like he's he's so uh, just powerless, and it's so sad, and it's like I don't know, and I I love that sadness. I love this poor man who's like never gonna achieve his dreams. It's a, it's yeah, it's yeah, great. It's great. It's yeah, great. Good, yeah, let's move on. My bad. Um, I love how so, I, I spent half of my time talking <laughs> about a totally different movie. Um, um, my number fourteen, nineteen sixty six, out of the country of France. Mm-hmm. Um, o Hazard Balthazar, directed Ooh. by Robert Bresson. Hmm. Hell yeah, um, hell yeah. You know, this is this is kind of at the peak of that transcendental style of cinema, as Paul Schrader described in his book. Um, those of you who don't know, it's a very simple story about a donkey that has passed around this village, sometimes treated well, sometimes treated very poorly, um, and it's all a big Christ parable. <laughs> in essence um john Godard said it was life in 95 minutes and obviously john Godard, no stranger to hyperbole but um i think he's pretty right i think it kind of captures everything for better or worse uh it's you know the epitome of a slow art slow french art film but uh I'll be damned if you're not really, really moved and emotionally taken by the end of it. And really, like, oddly, this donkey means a lot 
and it's the some of the humans around it too and it's just kind of the pain and suffering and life Mm. it does it just kind of captures everything the entire essence of the human experience is portrayed actually through this donkey that's passed around this village um simple but um massively affected i love brisson's films uh again though in a sense almost like come and see i have not seen them a lot you know they they this definitely i've not seen this as many times as i've seen out of the past or um pulp fiction or dog day afternoon uh but that think that's what makes it so great is the fact that despite not having seen a lot there's so much that is just implanted in me and kind of this feeling i, I remember the first time i saw it I, you know sitting on this couch in this apartment that we had in like oh five oh six and just seeing those final images and remembering the room I was in and just kind of the feeling I had afterwards and just being really you know you know, go take a step outside take a breath of fresh air it's really I mean that's what God that's what you're after is a complete feeling of memory that is built around these I don't know it's obviously the movie you know <laughs> has left me a, even thinking about it now a little a little taken aback um but it's a lot it's a be- it's a beautiful difficult film that i couldn't recommend higher not interested unless that donkey's voiced by eddie murphy yes oh boy there you go he was waiting for that folks i was waiting Don- for it i was waiting donkey. for it donkey 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's so great it's oh. like halfway through this movie <laughs> he's just giving the shrek well, many of many of Brayson's films end in suicide, and I think Brayson himself would kill himself if that. <laughs> uh, if I got the Patrick at it. Uh... Yeah. Oh, you gotta love the French. Only in France, many of their films end in suicide. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bima. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for thirteen? Uh, thirteen. Uh, my other documentary, dear boy. Um, number thirteen is Harlan County, USA. Oh, excellent film. A Barbara Copel joint. Copel. A couple joint. Uh, it is so. It's probably my favorite docu. It was tough because I was thinking about all the documentaries I love, and like uh, I'm a huge uh, Frederick Weisman or uh, Weisman fan. Uh, I love uh, you know Titty Cat Follies and uh, in the um, and uh, like you know at Berkeley, like all like the all the movie Monrovia, Indiana. I watched that recently, uh, and his movies are incredible, but they're also like seven hours long. <laughs> And Much I, like this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, it's hard for me to like, you know, sit down through the, but like uh, Harlan County, USA, man, it's just so, it's so brutal. Uh, it really is this slice of life that very few people know about. Um, uh, everyone's super engaging. Like the subject matter is incredibly engaging. It kind of reminds me, I think I brought up La Terra Trema in a previous podcast, like a movie that was filmed by uh, Lucino Visconti by uh, where all the cast was like Sicilians that had never acted before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could like uh, do a similar thing with everyone in this movie and have a very engaging movie with like non-actors. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and there are just like, uh, you know, you, you truly learn like how fucked up it was to be a, uh, a you know working in a coal mine in rural Kentucky you know back in like the 70s and the 30s before then like you know like um, uh, 
the music is incredible. Some of the best music uh, ever uh, used in a documentary. We're 42 years in a mighty long time. I labored down tall down in a coal mine. Down in a deep hole where the bright lights did glow. Back in a dark room, us fading up cold. My bones said it ate me, my kneecaps got bad. Down on a hard rock. Set of knee pads. The motors were shifting. I got sand in my heart. Both lungs were broke down from a breathing better. Uh, nothing ever feels super forced. Uh, you know, uh, it. Like you, the, the the documentary, um, you know, I, it definitely I feel like it takes sides with like the miners more than the uh, obviously more than the you know the the, the, the bosses the, the bosses <laughs> yeah which surprise surprise but I think they do it in a way that's also like you know it's not them just like constantly shoving it down your throat or like it's not like uh you know god bless adam mckay but like it's not like adam mckay doing like his thing where like well everyone was uh playing their nintendo wii's dick cheney was causing yeah. emotion in iraq you know what i mean like they don't really shove it they don't really jam it down your throat they just they, they let what happened folds do the talking for you and there's just there's also just truly shocking like there's like a moment in this movie where I'm not going to say it because uh, I want you to watch the movie and have it for yourself. But uh, like a big, a big moment happens towards the end. And I, I see things that stick with me that still stick with me today. I don't know. Like everyone should watch Harlan County USA. It's probably, yeah, it's just also, I'm just a sucker for like any documentary footage from like pre uh, like 2000, like pre-internet. Like, I love it. Yeah. I feel like people were more like we've lost. We're unfortunately in a, a time where people are more conscious about, you know, being seen on film and like acting a specific way. And uh, you really get some like true blue opinions from these folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Watch Charlotte. It's such a good movie, man. Yeah. I, I'm going to rewatch it tonight. Probably actually think about it. So like, oh, the ending of that movie, like, fuck, like some of the some of the moments in it. Um Believe it's on the uh, Criterion channel if oh. anyone uh, wants to check it out there. Uh, also, HBO Max, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe they're the same thing. I don't know. So, um, my number 13 is Do from it. 1988, and it is The Last Temptation of Christ, directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, look, this might surprise some people because I don't think this is like as high for a lot of people, but this is a, this movie, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not religious. But if I ever saw something that made me understand what it meant to have faith, I would say it was The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, which is funny because it was so controversial, but I was like, this is the work of uh, someone with true faith. 
like not trying to shove it down your throat, but it, like exploring their own feelings of it and kind of the rapturous feelings of it. Um, I love the Peter Gabriel soundtrack is really astounding. But I mean, the big thing for me was, um, so I first saw this movie at the Seattle Art Museum, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And Thelma Shoemaker was there to introduce it. And I'd never seen it before. And I was just, again, it's another one of those things. I remember the room. I remember the feeling. It was like just this overwhelming emotion. I felt while watching the movie. And I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, she told this story afterwards about how when they had him up on the cross, they were running out of sun. And Scorsese wasn't sure if they got it. And he called, and she was in, I believe, London, and he was in Morocco. And they had to ship everything, so he had to wait a day to find out if. Um, and he called while she was watching the footage, and she was in tears. And he flipped out. He was like, "No, no, it didn't work." <laughs> she was, "No, it's because it's so beautiful." Oh man! And he cried after that, and it was just to me, it's like. That's where you want to live, man. Like as like, as a creative person, or even whatever you're doing with your life, to be on this place where it's like it has that level of meaning, man, and purpose, and just watching the film and just kind of the way the music and the images, Willem Dafoe's performance, just the humanization of the story, too, where it wasn't like, you know, I mean, we, it, I always you know compare it with. You know, the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of the Christ, and how that was all about like bombardment of like suffering <laughs> and bombardment of like feel this way, feel this way, feel this way. And it never had this like transcendent feeling of like why we'd want to feel this way, what this meant, what faith felt like. And I think it's all in The Last Temptation of Christ. I think Scorsese captures it completely. And yeah, I'll never forget that screening. It was one of my favorite theatrical experiences I've ever had. And uh, that's a big, a proud, big reason why it's so high, but it's just, it's a movie that's really stuck with me. So that's my 13. I need to watch that movie. I need to watch that really badly because I love- And we we stand for all of his um, religious films on the Academy Academy. Oh man, he's a a true king. I I love, I love Scorsese. Uh, number 12. Oh, man. One of my all-time faves. Uh, David Cronenberg, Joint the Fly. Hell yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love this movie. And it's the uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's journey from uh, normal dude to buff dude to mutated dude to buff mutated dude. Uh, very good. Very sad. One of the great tragic love stories. Oh, God. The ending so brutal it's one of my favorite sad endings of all time like just like and the dream sequence as well where she, uh, you know we can support everyone's just listen you know she gives birth to a fucking maggot in a dream and it's terrifying which <laughs> i think which i think they make real in the fly too uh right well i <sighs> that movie that movie's he, his his um his grotesque poetry mm-hmm. is just fully on display oh, in yeah. this film, and yeah, I—I I mean, obviously, we've we've talked about he's come up 
many times over all the episodes of the Academy Academy. He is, like Scorsese, I just true master of cinema. And uh, yeah, I, the fight's great, great choice. Yeah, and Chris and I love yeah, and Chris Wallace, and I think in particular, like I would just want to shout out Chris Wallace's uh, physical makeup effects. Just like that, still mm-hmm. looks good today. Doesn't look. Uh, Maybe there's like one or two moments that have aged a little bit, but for the most part, it's just excellent. Yeah. Uh, and it's just sad, like that ending. It's like it's one of my favorite endings in a film ever. Just like shooting, oh, like I almost want to cry. Like it's like yeah. that's as close as I get to almost, 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 but not quite, not quite yet. Uh, let's move on. But I mean, another another character, the Goldblum character, much like a lot of the people we've discussed. This you know, going to Rupert Pumpkin or Nicholson mm-hmm. and uh, Five Easy, you know, this guys who've got some stuff but flaw or uh, sunny and dunked afternoon you yeah. know just the flaws take them out yeah well it's um, like them it's flaws and then they're uh their own they're like victims of their own skills and success yeah like all these so many like so many of these movies we enjoy are about people that are like so good at their job that it ruins their life well, or the, kills the, them. the bitter irony is that um any of uh, the movie obviously hits this now on the head is that he creates a truly revolutionary and life-changing scientific miracle that is annihilated by a common fly <laughs> you know uh, yeah <laughs> i mean the bitter irony of it it's, it's just it's a brilliant film yeah good great choice uh, my number 12 from 1966 out of the country italy Ooh. the battle of algiers directed by um, forgive me, Gillo Gillo Pontecovo. I've Ooh. never heard it said out loud. Um, an incendiary piece of docudrama that still is a revolution, both as a story and film. Um, you know, it's one that, again, another one of those ones. Criterion kind of by adding it to the Criterion collection kind of raised the stakes, but it's a favorite of Spike Lee's. It's it, it's really. It is a revolutionary film. And, you know, basically it's a docudrama about um, kind of the um, the French occupation of Algeria and kind of some either call it revolutionary, call it terrorist activities of the people trying to get out of the French's thumb. Um, still very problematic in France, I believe, to this day. Really? As a film, uh, it, it, it's it's an interesting film. It, it really um, very controversial at the time, but it it's also like I mean you, you know you're watching these group of uh, rev, you know guerrilla fighters build bombs and set up bombs in cafes and shit like that, and it feels very sadly very present and very very yeah. of the moment and yeah. it's yeah i think it's it's again i mean it's it's another one that i haven't revisited a lot it doesn't have like the same kind of like transcendent emotional level that dog day for instance has <laughs> but it's still it's it's a truly great film that i think highly influential and yeah definitely worth definitely absolutely worth tracking down for the watch i believe another on the criterion channel Hell yeah. I want to watch it. That's another God, another another uh, movie that I've been meaning to watch for a while and I will try to find a reason to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a recurring theme. Uh, number 11. Yeah. Uh, Anomalisa. Oh, wow. I loved. Yeah, this is my favorite Kaufman. Uh, 
And especially, you know, and I bet this is controversial considering my uh, my previously stated opinion that I wasn't a fan of Synecdoche, New York when I first saw it. But uh, <laughs> which honestly will probably change. That's another movie I need to rewatch, give it a go. Uh, but I think like Anomalisa, like, uh, I've never been so depressed watching a movie, uh, which I think is like, for me, is like a win. Like, I love that. I love I love feeling so sad and like lost after watching a film. That's one of my one of my true pleasure pleasures is being like ruined emotionally by a piece oh, of cinema. Oh, it's a good feeling. It's a oh, good totally. feeling. I mean, it hurts, but it's good. Yeah, and I think this movie does it. It's the movie most recently made that has done that for me. I don't think a movie, you know, some have gotten close. I think Burning was really, really good. I consider putting that movie it's on a my great list. Film. Love oh that yeah, movie. better than better than Parasite in my opinion. I think that Burning was, and I think that like. Steven Yeun's performance was uh, better in that than Minari. Uh, wow. Yeah, you hear it here first. Boy, the uh, screen is on fire. I'm dropping. Hot takes. Hot, hot, hot takes. Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> we, felt, felt we were still thinking about the fly there. We got a little Jeff Goldblumy. Hot, 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 hot takes. <laughs> mm, yes, uh, hot, yeah, hot, hot, hot takes. Boy, I believe that would be what the, um, the, the, the kids yeah, mm. refer to as a... Uh, a uh, 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 hot take. Hot takes. Uh, the frog. The frogs are turning female. Yes, I, uh, I, I, I loved burning, but I, I also loved Minari. So I, 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 I just don't uh, know. No. <laughs> Can we give an award to all of them? Give the award. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I haven't. Throw... Um, I have not seen Anomalisa. You haven't seen Anomalisa, no. dude. It's so you would love it. This is a you know, movie. It's um. Is it the stop motion? Yeah, I knew uh, it. I, uh, and I, I apologize to our listener. I, I, this is a Don hang up. It's not a canonical opinion. <laughs> no, it's totally fair. It's fair. I get it. Like that's. And that's I watched. Um, I watched Soul, the new uh, Pixar. Speaking yeah. of animation, I enjoyed that's, it. That's fine. So, um, yeah. But yes, I um. No, I, I, but I also have not watched his newest one either. Oh, I haven't either. Yeah, I'm afraid that movie's like gonna be so heavy, and I'm just like, I don't know. No, I'm just like, he's he's so talented, but it's like post inequity. There is this feeling of like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to. Like, do I really want to do this? Yeah, (laughs) like, like, getting excited is hard. Like. You know, you see the preview of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like them driving around in the '60s in cool cars to good music. And you're like, "Damn, that's that." Like, I don't know what that's about, but that sounds fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like these are just cool dudes having fun, and then yeah. you see his recent trailer. I guess that's movie. our uh, recommendation, Charlie Kaufman, is to make a dudes rock movie. Oh God, yeah, do your version of Heat, Charlie Kaufman. I would. Oh yeah. man, get yeah, get Spike Jones on that bad boy. Um, Ford versus Ferrari versus Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage as all three roles. Yep. Uh, no, but, I, I I know that you like that one. Uh, yeah, I should definitely check it out. Oh, you should 100. percent It's yeah. like it's so it's very Tom. New- it's also one of Tom Noonan's best. Uh, it's one of the best vocal performances. Period. Because he basically plays every role that's not a. Uh, uh, either David uh, Thewlis's character or Jennifer Jason Lee's character, and uh, I won't spoil too much for you because I think you need to see it and just watch uh, it. And I, uh, I'll, I will. I'll check it out. It's, yeah. it's 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 so good. It's very it's so sad too. God damn it, rules. Fuck. I feel like when David Thewlis is in something that it's gonna things are gonna not go well. Yeah, he has that crumpled look of a defeated man. That's... I think it's because <laughs> like he like his work in Mike Lee's Naked. 
is so defining <laughs> that it's just like oh like when he showed up on season three of fargo i was like oh no oh this is not gonna go well for anybody involved <laughs> yeah no you look at that face it's not the face of someone who's doing well like and yeah. i say that and i say that with love he's a great actor he rules, he rules. yeah uh, man, um so, so silly in wonder woman <laughs> but oh, that movie is incredibly he, I, he goes he goes full palatine hey. Save it. It might be coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it might be number one. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, like, uh, we're just going to sell. Don has spent 30 episodes of the Academy Academy comparing things negatively to superhero movies. Now, the top 10 superhero movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, my number 11, 1971. Shocker. Another one from the 70s. Um, Directed by Robert Altman, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Ooh, that's my number eleven. Uh yeah, I mean, love it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like you know, it's just yeah, the very good, dreary, muddy, brown western. Another McCabe, Warren Beatty's character. Another guy who comes in with all these aspirations, but kind of a loser, mm-hmm. and you know, proves it over time. Um, the soundtrack, the Leonard Cohen song. It's true that all the men you knew were dealers who said they were through with dealing every time you gave them shelter. I know that kind of man. It's hard to hold the hand of anyone who's reaching for the sky just to surrender. Who is reaching for the sky just to surrender. I mean, just an absolutely marvelous touch. Um, the final sequences, I mean, we talk so much about that part where Keith Carradine is the kid who sleeps with every prostitute town. He's crossing the bridge. Then that, like that child murderer who's coming to town from McCabe shoots Keith Carradine and he falls in the ice. And you're just like, Oh, like the good times are over. Yeah. for this town <laughs> you know it's like, the high times are like and all everyone has great coats maybe the best looks of this uh top 25 um and then just the way it ends i don't i don't really want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen the movie but yeah, it's really just haunting and uh poetic film you know i could have put i love robert altman movies and there are many that could have made this top 25. Uh, in fact, Long Goodbye was a very last minute uh, removal. Wow. Probably would sit in the 26th spot, actually. Um, I love Long Goodbye. But McCabe and Mrs. Miller just kind of, it's just the one for me of his work. And he, he has so much good work. Um, you know, my last time, you know, big one for me was. Uh, when the Hateful Eight came out, uh, they did a run at the New Beverly with double features with kind of comparable mm-hmm. movies to Hateful Eight. And uh, Jen and I saw McCabe and Mrs. Miller doubled with Hateful Eight. And it was just a, just a terrific night. Uh, and then I saw McCabe and Mrs. Miller again there uh, paired with uh, the great Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, toward the, actually, just maybe a month before everything went everything went sour in the universe <laughs> and um <laughs> oh another i mean another great freaking night oh you should have seen it too and uh redford does the nod and jeremiah johnson that's the meme 
thing. It really got the millennials going oh, yeah. in the crowd. They're like, oh, that's what this is from. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah, McCain is just. Uh, I mean, how could you? It's just for me. It's just an absolute no-brainer, like all-time movie for me. And again, it's uh, unlike some of the others. This is one I've watched many, many times over, and I find it just constantly intriguing. The way it opens, even too, when he gets into town, the Leonard Cohen song, he goes in the bar, and then they're all talking over each other, and you can't understand any of the dialogue. I, uh, yeah, I've shown it to Jenna. She she's like, "What the hell are they saying?" I'm like, "Here's the deal. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, it's great." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a. I love that. I was actually gonna reference the Keith Carradine scenes. That's like a. I, I remember that actually. Uh, God, I tried to make a podcast like three years ago. Uh, which was basically going to be this, but by myself. So I, of course, never released it. And those files are long lost to history. But I watched, uh, but I remember watching uh, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller for that and being like, just truly like, oh, wow, this is an incredible, <laughs> like, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great film. And it's like a, uh, it's very unique too. Uh, also. Yeah, it's another kind of one of a kind. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. I bet uh, Dr. T and the woman are feeling pretty bad. Yeah, feeling pretty bad. I guess it's not gonna make Don's Doctor, list. Doc, Doctor T's at the door and he's pissed. He's pissed. Oh, Richard Gear in his lab coat. Yeah, Doctor Coat. Don't, don't worry, Richard. We might talk <laughs> about you soon. <laughs> uh, and the like film someone... is uh, film is The Runaway Bride at number yeah. ten. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like someone likes a Red Corner. Ooh. The remake of Jackal. The yeah, someone likes the remake of Jackal. <laughs> I saw that in the theater. Oh boy! And never mind. Let's move on. Uh, number yeah. ten for you. Oh yeah, uh, number ten. My favorite Cronenberg. One of my favorite movies of all time. I can watch this movie over and over again. The fact that I can kind of shows how brain poisoned I am. Maybe a history of violence. Oh, excellent! Came up earlier, and you you uh, played those cards close to the chest. Oh, I did I not. It. Oh, I got I got uh, bluffed. I got bluffed. Yeah, I tried to. I, I I wanted to sit, but I was like, nah, I'm gonna keep it close. And it's like uh I think it's just a, another example of a perfect movie that uh, does everything Cronenberg sets out to achieve. Uh, it's so the violence in it is just. It's, it's, a, it's a genuinely subversive film. Yeah. And it's well, and it's also just like, it's just, it's perfect. It's uh, the way it's used is truly, it's unsettling. I've never seen a movie uh, where I'm just so grossed out. Like he uses. <laughs> Cronenberg uses all of those, like, you know, body horror tools in his closet just to show, you know, people dying. Uh, yeah. You know, without, without the, you know, goofy sci-fi premise, you know, you know, there's no, like, existence meat gun. Um, you know, like, Stephen McCaddy's face, like, half thing being blown off, that will stick with me forever. Fucking, uh, when he... But just the way it opens with the, those guys leaving the robbery oh. in the motel and just kind of like the way it's set up and like this, the feel, the bad vibes mm. that are in the air from that sequence. The ultimate evil scumbags. It's so good. And it's like yeah. this total... Yeah, and they're just literally... They're, they're literally just like... Uh, they're just assaulting Americana. It is like an assault. It's like this, like, yeah, it is like this thing where they're really, they're truly defiling like uh, small town America in a very... Uh, disturbing manner. Uh, it was interesting. I just thought of uh, comparatively uh, Blue Velvet as well. Oh, yeah. oh, in that yeah. vibe of kind of like 
what's the the rot under the surface of mm. Americana. Yeah, and I love that movie. That's a good movie too. And, you know, maybe if I rewatched Blue Velvet, maybe that would have been on my list. But uh, I think I like. I think I like the fact that like the 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 main character of this movie is the rot. Uh, mm. And for the longest time, like they try, he tries to like you know hide. He like you know for the majority of the movie, he's like, "Nah, I'm a normal guy. You got the wrong guy." And he he, he keeps it close, so close to it. But then like when that turn happens, and, you know, it's really a dynamic performance from Vigo. It's it's his be- it's my f- personal favorite. It's like it's so you know. It's no offense to Laleen, I'll forever love Laleen. Uh, and uh, you know, wear diapers. Wear diapers of My dick's gone. <laughs> now I, I, I do it like the Fonzie guy. Hey, yeah. my dick's gone. <laughs> I was leaning toward like a real like caricature of Travolta too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> what's happening? Where'd my dick go? <laughs> I was using it. Taking a, I was taking a leak. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, a, it is a great film. Yeah. yeah and, I, then, and also just another a wonderful ending where like. Like oh, yeah. they, they decide just to have dinner, and it's like, but like it's like they're never gonna. It's like they're they're all ruined. It's a ruined yeah. family. It's like yeah. you know they try to like act like oh man, yeah, good great film. Go watch it. Rent it at your local. And yeah, William Hurt. Although here's my thing, William Hurt is incredible in it. I love his scene in the movie. Should have given the Oscar nom to Ed Harris. Come on, he's so good in that role as the guy. And like ah oh, man, and the fact that like it should have should have been nominated for best picture too. Oh, 100%. Also, the last uh, last, uh, movie made releases VHS. Yeah. Fun fact, folks. There you go. Fun film fact. Okay, your turn. Uh, Next for me, 1967. Out of the country, France. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Directed by Eric Romare. The film is called La Collectionuse. And this is, uh, much like Five Easy Pieces, this is probably the most influential movie to the stuff I try and do. À l'intérieur d'un laps de temps de 24-48 heures, elle est même remarquablement fidèle. Elle faisait l'amour. Elle faisait l'amour, au sens physique du terme, avec un type sur un lit. Je vais pousser à la porte, je croyais que la pièce était vide. Le lendemain, Daniel Bouda ostensiblement la fille. Moins pour m'égarer, car il se doutait de ma découverte, que pour m'étonner. Perversité, ça m'intéresse encore. Mais rien à voir avec ce genre de petit boudin. On a tort de caresser une fille qu'on n'aime pas. C'est même la suprême immoralité. C'est une collectionneuse. Collectionneuse. Nous avons quelque chose de commun. Je ne suis pas une collectionneuse.
Um, it's in essence, it's about uh, three people who all end up in this large house in the south of France. Um, there's Adrian, Danielle, and Ayade, mm-hmm. um, two boys and a girl. And um, the idea is that Ayade, the girl, uh, she has a lot of suitors dropping by and while the two guys kind of uh for lack of a better term kind of slut shamer mm-hmm. they're also completely competing with each other for her affections and it just gets kind of more and more uncomfortable between all of them and meanwhile adrian has made it a he's kind of our leading man He's made it his mission to um, do nothing and think of nothing and have no real energy expended on anything the entire time he is at this house. So these two guys are like lounging around in robes (laughs) in like this beautiful lawn countryside while this beautiful young woman who you think that they're kind of the kind of like guiding force, but it's like they barely seem to track on her radar unless she feels like sleeping with one of them, which is all her choice. And she says no or yes to any of them. And she's in charge. And it's just this kind of very like incredibly French battle of the sexes type film. And it's part of Romero's six moral tales trilogy. Or trilogies, there's six of them. Shit, <laughs> multiply it by two. Um, yeah, no. and it's and it's um, you know basically this idea of all of these movies are kind of a bougie guy considers cheating mm-hmm. on their girlfriend or their wife, and then doesn't, and that's kind of the story of the entire movie. Uh, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous Nestor Almendros photography we, we might remember him from Kramer versus Kramer and Sophie's Choice mm. as a and I um, I write a lot of stuff about people kind of having a battle of wits while wearing swimwear and maybe or maybe not thinking about making out and kind of those kind of human kind of sometimes comedy kind of sometimes drama yeah like kind of like yeah and i mean it's like if you like a movie like i don't know if boy who knows if anybody saw this but uh a movie that came out a few years ago that i really love a lot called the bigger a bigger splash directed by luca gorgadino with oh um, man Ray Ray finds in one of dancing. yeah when he's dancing to emotional rescue by the stones it's a truly astonishing uh, pure cinema bless <laughs> bless him so good but you you put hunks and babes mm-hmm. in the sun and then have them do um passive aggressive battle with each other yeah i'm watching that movie oh hell yeah <laughs> i'm watching yeah. it french perfected it obviously yep. and my collection is is a movie that i've watched dozens of times i have shown it to many many friends you know, any chance I get um, at my 30th birthday party when we rented a bar uh, for it, I was able to program the television sets and I actually played my collection. It was like the entire night on the TVs. Um, 
yeah, it's just um, it's one I, I I sometimes wonder if I am the world's biggest fan of this movie. I don't think I am, but I'm I I imagine I might be in the top fifty. Right. Um, yeah, I just uh, I couldn't recommend it higher. It's it's a mysterious, elusive film too. That like every time I watch it, it's only like ninety minutes too. Oh wow! wow. On top of that, um, it's gorgeous. Uh, makes you certainly makes you want to go on vacation in the south of France. It's very sixties, but I don't. That doesn't bother me. Uh, so yeah, I can't recommend. I love it. Love it. Hell yeah! There we go. Uh, what was it? So yeah, I, I, yeah, and more movies uh, about you know hunks having little passive aggressive titter tats with each other. You know, mm-hmm. I want more movies with you know hunks like Dick Miller and Walter Matthau. Yep. Total total babes. Yeah. Grumpy, uh, grumpy hunks, grumpy old hunks. If you ask me, <laughs> please give me a grumpy old hunks. <laughs> Someone, any pretty high shot producer, give me yeah, a. They're, uh, they're all like Las Vegas now and stand up uh, guys, of stinky course. Grandpa, stinky grandpa. Stinky grandpa. Yeah. Party oh, grandpa. Party. Yeah. The, the comedian. Did you ever watch the comedian? Uh, De Niro. I love you. Ooh, love you, Bob. Love you, Bobby. That's a that's a challenge. What a what? A, that's a mountain you need to climb. Okay, my number right, nine. Number nine. We're in the single digits, folks. So. We are. We're here. We finally we're, we're seven, keep, seven, seven hours to go. Oh God! <laughs> I'll keep it short. I'm gonna yeah. keep it as short as I can. I'll keep it terse. Uh, my number nine is a do the right thing. Spike oh, Lee, uh, it's one of my. It's like that, a, yeah. He's it's my favorite uh, Spike Lee film. It's one of my favorite films. I remember watching it like. It's one of those movies where I, when I walk, think of that movie, I have this pristine memory of being in my bed, like under my covers, watching it with like laptop on crotch, probably ruining my sperm forever. <laughs> uh, like, you know, ruining, you know, poisoning my dick with chemical. Uh, the way Spike Lee wants you to see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on my dirty, on my dirty laptop. Uh, but uh, the best intro to a film ever, that mm-hmm. whole dance sequence, um, uh, Danny Aiello's great, but Spike Lee is great. Like, kind of fucked up he never got nominated for an Oscar for his performance, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of fucked up things surrounding the film. Uh, the cinematography is incredible. The, the aesthetic is great. Uh, I think it has some of the best editing of a film. Like, the Barry Alexander Brown's editing is uh, just excellent. You know, and I feel like, ah, oh, man, so many of these movies, like, this was great, and then like after the, and then like Malcolm X was incredible. Clockers was great. Like, I watched Clockers for the first time recently, and I almost considered putting that on this list because mm-hmm. I was so impressed by Clockers. He's um, he's a he's a thrilling filmmaker. He's uh, one of the greatest man. filmmakers to ever live. His yeah, his like when he was on, like he had like a run, and it was so like from from basically from do the right thing to he got game, like pretty much with the exception of one or two movies, all just like fucking slappers. He takes, uh, and, he takes big swings. Yep. And this is like his, I think this is like his big epic film, like his most epic in his life. His, his, this is like his, the, with the exception of maybe Clockers, the movie with the broadest scope he's created. Uh, it's, a mas- it's a masterpiece. Yeah. And yeah, yeah all, the, and all the little actors that like, you know, Ossie Davis is great. Rosie Perez is great. Uh, fucking Sam Jim Jackson. Carl. Yeah. Sam Jackson, an early Sam Jackson, Giancarlo Esposito is bugging out. What a fun uh, t- character. Totoro. T- oh, God, yeah, Totoro, too. Uh, even, I think, like, fucking, I think Martin Lawrence is in it, if I remember correctly, yeah. as well. Had, like, a... It, a... It's, it's a it, I mean, it didn't make my list, 
in a, a full disclosure, but it's, I mean, it's a Stone Cold masterpiece. Oh, it's a Stone Cold, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's just, a, it's a ba- ba- banger. Okay. Uh, my number nine uh, from the year 1998. Damn, son. Oh, no, the 90s. Um, Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, this is, this is a movie that absolutely rocks me. Mm-hmm. I'm still mad at uh, Bright Wall. No, I'm not, but Bright Wall Dark Room did not accept the essay I wrote about the Red Line. <laughs> um, uh, that's how much I love this film, though. Um, what was I it? Bright, this... Bright, Bright Wall Dark Wall? What was this website Bright called? Wall Dark Room. I think. Yeah, yeah, Bright... They, they're great. Yeah, Bright yeah. Room. Yeah. You're on the Academy. You know what? Never mind. Taking it they're back. Not, they're, they're, they're not. They're not. They're, they're, prob- they're good. They're good they people. were probably right, but it, I tried nah. my best. No, nah. um, nah. Fuck them. You're good. I think the world is film. I think it's mm-hmm. it. I mean, again, it's almost like Ohazard Balthazar to me, where it captures kind of the universe. All oh, in yeah. this, I stand by. I, you know, <laughs> I think I've said it for twenty years or whatever. Fashion of the Christ came out. Jim Caviezel captures the essence of Jesus Christ in the Thin Red Line better than he does <laughs> in. Um, the Passion of the Christ. Nice. It, his private wit character is a truly moving and just a character that I will never forget, as weird as he is and as troubling as he is as a guy. Um, oh, yeah. Wasn't there like a recently, didn't Dave Anthony? Yeah, it was. Yeah. A re- I highly recommend that episode of QAnon Anonymous where they kind of like, went into it. I want to listen <laughs> to that so badly. It's really it's something um and that movie is not it's on pretty my, wild yeah that movie is not on my uh list it probably should be i'm gonna rewatch that see that's the thing is i'm gonna rewatch that movie and be like why the fuck did i put owning mahoney in my list and not fucking oh, no. <laughs> yeah but uh but uh but uh i remember watching that movie with uh my cousins my uncle used to have a restaurant in mazatlan uh and i bartended there my, my uh, summer between freshman and sophomore year of college and we were just going through, like, my uncle had, like, all these random fucking movies, like, and it's, like, and it'd be shit, like, he'd have, like, uh, what's that, like, Robert Benini film, like, Life is, he'd have Life is Beautiful, and then, like, a uh, an old, like, Death Wish 4, and nice. Army of Darkness, and then, but one of them was, like, Thin Red Line, and I remember, like, me and my cousins, like, being, like, yeah, war, yeah, we're gonna watch this, like, we're gonna watch these people fuck shit up, and then they like, watch. Horrible, you know. We've grown as people. I mean, I don't know about mm-hmm. my cousins. Like, I love my cousins. I probably haven't, but uh, I remember, like, uh, I loved it. <laughs> my cousins, like, twenty minutes into it, were like, "Not a lot is happening." It's not. Uh, I mean, it came <laughs> in it, a good way. It, it came out in the same time frame as Saving Private Ryan, and oh. obviously was completely overwhelmed. But even though it was nominated for picture and director and all that, yeah. Um, but I just find it to be. It's so good. I I, I had one time I watched it. I. I cried for nearly the entire three hour runtime, oh, just like tears. Like damn. So I, just, I just I found it so just moving and thinking about those young guys and like just like the the performances and kind of like in the types that they have out there. Like when Woody Harrelson blows his butt off, is yeah. and they're with him, and he's been so like cock of the walk kind of guy, and he's just he's it's one of the like all-time death scenes it's just and they're like all around him he's just like crying i blew my butt off i blew my ass off and you're just like oh my god and um sean penn's performance as kind of the skeptic and like how it opens with they 
they get Caviezel off that island. Oh, yeah, he's with, and, like, yeah, I remember that part. And Caviezel, like, tells him at the top, like, there's two and a half hours to go. He's like, I am twice the man you'll ever be. And the entire movie is about Sean Penn reconciling that feeling. And it's just like, and Penn kind of being the grounded skeptic to Caviezel's like spiritual mystic. Mm-hmm. And like, who is kind of like, and it's just, and then you throw in everyone else. Oh, yeah. And I, I, like I, the I think... Nick Nolte's part at, wanted to send them in. And Elias Coteus, who I love. Oh, what a great um, actor. An underrated actor who just wants these boys to survive well, and then so the, badly. And the, just, I remember, like the one I remember is John C. Riley having the breakdown. I think he's like, "I'm a coward," or is that him? I can't. It's not him. He uh, Riley's kind of with Penn. It's uh, I think John Savage plays that. Well, John Savage has the full breakdown, but and then like you throw in like Private Bell, Ben Chaplin, who's mm-hmm. he's the guy who gets the Dear John letter, who loves his wife. Yeah, and it's just. Dash Myhawk too, right? Yeah, uh, he's Garnett. he's really good in it too, uh, and it just and there and it's just just these collection of beautiful moments. And it's just it's not. I mean, it's I think that that's the thing. It's like it's not really about war. I mean, not, like not about like specifically like World War Two and Guadalcanal. It's like it's, it's like about so much like life and death and like yeah. nature and just everything Terrence Malick does and I mean and you know and the hype for this because it was his first movie in nearly 20 years um, it's it, it just for me it's and I know like yeah it's just a pinnacle film and it's one you know I, I the last time I watched it was <laughs> the essay but then I, I am happy with it but you know and I, I will say real quick we got to move on um the reason I figured out the reason it's a little it's not like a, about my personal connection to the movie it's more just about my trying to like put together a like coherent themes of the movie and that website is looking for a lot more about um your uh, kind of individual story to go along with the movie so that's it <laughs> oh, great movie i mean i could have shit i can talk to you about that because like there's like it is like a movie with like a million great performances we haven't even touched like adrian brody's in it mm-hmm. i think like john travolta has a little part in Tra- that movie. travolta and clooney do like real little things yeah oh man i bet they were pissed too because i bet they had much they filmed a lot more and they probably but they do know. yeah um tim blake nelson i think is in it oh, so many is, good actors yeah. god damn that rules it's uh, a uh yeah, good, it's good, it's one movie. of my it's one of my favorite movies. So obviously, it's number nine. Yeah, uh, number eight for me is uh, the I think the nah, there's actually one more movie from the 21st century, uh, but uh, Silence. Oh yeah, my uh, Martin Scorsese. This is the most you know the most uh, recent film I think on this list in terms of like uh, you know just being made. But uh, I've watched this in theaters and it like shook me to the core and it's just it's such a beautiful sad uh, movie about faith and I I love films uh, about people like questioning their faith like the, like the questions this film raises like is your life you know is it like you know at what point does stricture uh, overcome uh, the need to do the right thing 
at what point does uh you know well um what does it mean to be a good christian i guess or what does it mean to be like religious like a good person someone or someone with a religious code uh you know, I think Andrew Garfield is one of the most uh, is one of the most interesting actors out right now. I like I like him more than like I think ninety percent of like the makes. Like I think he he's he's picked so many interesting movies. Like Under the Silver Lake, such a good movie. Uh, but this is like his best. Uh, this is like his best performance by far with a bullet. Um, and I, Adam Driver is great in it too. Like when he goes out into the ocean to try to save uh, people that are, you know, his followers that are drowning and. He dies, uh, you know, Issei Agata, he's great. Uh, uh, Liam, ne- Liam Neeson. Oh, dude, it's yeah. so sad. It's so, but in, in just that ending where it's like, uh, you know, like what does it mean to be a good Christian? Or what does it mean to be, to have faith in something? Uh, you know, yeah. The, the, the glory of... Martin Scorsese's last two films is that he's getting the chance to kind of finish the story, mm-hmm. the the things that have kind of um, the stories and themes that have kind of chased him for the last 50 years. Right. Um, you know, between silence and of course uh, the Irishman mm-hmm. kind of silence being kind of the final statement on faith mm-hmm. and Irishman being the final statement on the gangster. Yeah, and I think like and, and they mirror each other in weird, and we've talked about that. Yeah, like yeah, how they like yeah, they're kind of like these weird. Have we talk about it again too? <laughs> yeah, we will a hundred percent because they're both. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll have yeah. a reason to talk about it again. But uh, yeah, just watch Silence. It's so good. It, I think it's currently my favorite uh, Scorsese film. Uh, you know, and uh, all his movies are bangers. So that says a lot. Like, yeah. I, don't know, I love it. I love that movie. Uh, also, just beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rodrigo go. Prieto photography. Mm. Um, my number eight. We all saw this coming. 1979. Out yeah. of the country, Russia. Stalker. Andre Tarkovsky. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I mean, we've it's talked about it throughout the podcast. You yeah. Know, I remember Evan Cox was like, oh, Stalker came up. Like, you have no idea how much, how many times Stalker has actually come up. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, enter the zone. You know, I can't, yeah. I'm not going to really give a plot rundown. There's no real reason to <laughs> just yeah. uh, go into it. I would go into it blind even. Yeah. If you have not seen it and take the time. Don't pause it. Don't have your phone around. Let the rhythm and pace completely overtake you. And I think by the time the final moments happen, um, you'll be pretty slight yeah, it's over overcome movie. by the movie. Um, Tarkovsky remains a filmmaker who I think is still kind of ahead of all of us in a strange oh, way. Like that, his work continues to challenge, continues to actually. I, I mean, I think he's currently. I mean, this is just my opinion among of the kind of like heavy hitters of that European art film era. I think he's probably. The most talked about one right now. Oh yeah, like, I think he's more considered than Bergman. He's more considered than Antonioni, even Godard, to an extent, or certainly Fellini too. I mean, like I think Tarkovsky's the the one right now. Yeah, it's, I, it sure seems. Uh, yeah, I remember my my uh, 
probably the smartest person I know showed me that movie in college, and it like uh, shook me to the core. It's a yeah, it's a great, it's a great film. Uh, I need to actually, you know, it's funny as uh, that was a movie that I I've actually purchased it on Amazon or I rented it, and uh, I just did not have time time to watch it before this uh, recording. I would have uh, if I had like another hour. Probably would have rewatched it. It might have like uh, replaced uh, Trekkies or some whatever dumb shit I put on this list. Uh, but uh, uh, it's it, it's so yeah. Stalker's great. It's uh, and like that. Um, and like I said, like it's the balls it takes to put like a ten minute like scene of just sitting on a push cart. That's so fucking cool. I remember being so blown away by that. Like and my friend telling me like, you know, he put that in the movie because like, you're it's not you don't deserve to watch the movie if you can't like watch this part he was like apparently like yeah he, he like he put that in there like as a way to like it's almost like a uh, like a litmus test like if you, get, but you like, want to get you want to get to the zone it's going to yeah. be a test for you too yeah i'm sure he's only talking about the auto zone no 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 yeah all right um let's take a quick break i'd like a uh, plain omelet uh, no potatoes tomatoes instead a cup of coffee and toast no substitution. What do you mean? You don't have any tomatoes? Okay. We're back. Uh, Patrick, you're number seven. Yeah. You know what? It's uh, already been set on the list. My number seven is, uh, weirdly enough, Seven Samurai. Oh, there you go. Yeah, perfect yeah. movie. We've discussed it already. Uh, <laughs> best to share a uh performance, in my opinion. Uh, I love it. Uh, also, uh, just a testament to the stills, uh, this film's strength. My grandpa showed me this movie when I was like... 10 and it's a testament to the strength of this movie that uh to, to its power as a film that a, a, a 10 year old who probably has adhd uh <laughs> like was able to be totally engrossed by a black and white foreign film in a completely different language that's four, almost four hours long so yeah that's a testament to kira kurosawa's skills uh give me your number seven sir so as i said um I think at the top, my top seven has not changed in almost 20 years. Incredible. So um, these seven movies to come Mm -hmm. kind of are all over the place, but they've kind of arranged, kind of symbolized kind of the epitome for me of what's possible with film. Uh, So starting with number seven, which is uh, 1963 out of the country, France, it's... um, Contempt by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, this is my favorite Godard film. Um, it's just, I find it to be both included, like the challenges that Godard always presents with um, kind of a ravishing romantic tragedy to it. Um, in essence, it's about um, a screenwriter and his wife who are invited to go um, do a new version of the Odyssey. Uh, Jack Clance plays the Hollywood producer who's trying to get with the guy's wife. The guy's wife is played by uh, Bridget Bardot. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's obviously it's about the difficulties of marriage. It's about the difficulties of art creation. And some of the greatest color photography, I think, of all time. Um, the musical score is just kind of, it's very, like, big and dramatic um scorsese actually used a couple a cue from it in uh, casino oh wow 
Um, it's 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 just um, like it might not be as playful as kind of the other uh, key Godard films of the era, but to me, it's my favorite. And yeah, I just and I'm a you know Godard is a filmmaker who has, has meant a lot to me over the years, in particular in my twenties. I've kind of moved a little bit away from him if you had caught me on this list 10 years ago it'd probably be two other Godard films but they've both kind of been pushed further down as the time has gone on but um, Contempt has re- remained as strong as ever for me nice uh, it's so funny because I talked about like uh, you know Jack Palance uh, Palance or so it's Palance I didn't know it was Palance uh, you know, who yeah. cares yeah uh, Jackie P uh, I was talking about seeing all these new Jackie P films but like I, I yeah I watched City Slickers and Hawk the Slayer so <laughs> <laughs> I'll go the other route I'll do Contempt next uh, I, I rec- also recommend a film called um, The Mercenary Ooh. by Sergio Corbucci a spaghetti western that he's very fun in Okay. Awesome. Yeah, he has such a varied career because I feel like yeah, Jack Palance or Palance had a uh, he had his little moment in the European wilderness, and that seemed to uh, seemed to yield some interesting tasting yeah, fruit. It was interesting. Yeah, paid the bills. Yep. Oh, Bill Boy. Uh, here we go. Number six for me. Uh man, it's you know this is a popcorn fair, but it's like fuck. I, I am. I can't like escape who I am. So I'm gonna put this. This is just me, folks. Uh, Number six, I'm putting Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Okay. The middle one, uh, that trilogy. Uh, I watched that. Uh, I watched that complete trilogy, like every two years, like the full way through, and then I watch it with the commentary afterwards immediately. <laughs> I fucking love those movies. I think they're like, it's gonna be the last time too. I think like, uh, you know, unless you're a big old Avatar freak, which some people are, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, hey. I think it's like the last time. I think like. Um, uh, films of those scope will be entertaining to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like I think, like uh, 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 they are infinitely. I think they're also an example, a very rare example of the uh, films being better than the source material. Like God bless Lord of the Rings. I've read those books dozens of times, but uh, you know, I fucking always skip the songs. Tom Bombadil, bless his dopey little heart, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, also has like the uh, just. I don't know, some of my favorite, like Andy Serkis' Golem, one of my favorite performances ever. He's so good in that role. The Golem still looks pretty good. Uh, it's the ultimate comfort food for me. I love those movies. Uh, also, like, I think, like, it's, like, the last time movies of that scale will be made with, like, a unique, like, like, Peter Jackson left his very weird specific mark on those movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... Uh, outside, outside of Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. At the exception of outside of yeah, except yeah, of course, outside of Avatar. But even like I don't know, I don't think Avatar gets that because like you know James Cameron's weirdness is pretty like we've talked about how his weirdness happens to be universal in a way. Oh, and oh I think man. like one yeah. could dream. And uh, and uh, I think Peter Jackson is very like uh, his weirdness is slimy and gross. I don't know. It's yeah. like a lot of fun. I don't know. Also, was- P- Peter Jackson, if you're listening, make another insane horror movie. Oh Just- please. We, you have no idea the the, the millions you would make happy. Oh that. yeah, do another Dead Alive. Hell, Death. do an, do another Meet the Feebles. Yeah, do another Frighteners, baby. Any of them. Oh, Frighteners is so good. I love. Yeah, Frighteners. Yeah, get, well, yeah, de- yeah, get out of Hobbiton. I I agree with that. Get yeah. the fuck out of Hobbiton. Uh, get get a little sleazy. Look at look what Sam, look at the magic Sam Raimi brought to the table when he went back to drag me to hell. 
Yeah. Like, you can do that too. Oh, he could 100 with a bullet. Also, I, I think he's... Um, no, it doesn't matter. Okay, a great movie. Moving on. Yeah, uh, my number six, it's a film that has been mentioned but not listed yet, mm. which is from 1980 out of the United States of America. And that would be Raging Bull from Martin Scorsese. Oh, man. Um, yes, Jake is a as difficult as they come. It's a great, no, and it's a great, I this see, is a, I, don't, I don't diss it. I don't diss it. Everything Martin Scorsese does mm-hmm. is in this movie, and then some. Yeah. Is, uh, the, he is, um, I mean, we, you know, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, those could have been easily in the mix as well as oh. all the other ones we have, you know, mentioned. Mean Streets. He's, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's clearly um, a filmmaker we... We, we love and admire. I love I love late era. I like Hugo. Yeah. I'm a freak. I do too. I mean, I'm I'm I am a I am a who's that knocking at my door to um, Irishman freak. Yeah, so, oh, man, I want to fly that plane. I like all of them. I, yeah. I, I actually I, I genuinely do. I like all of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think raging bull to me from the opening images with that music and him dancing in the ring to the credit sequence. Oh, that's so good. Um, it's just an overwhelming film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he cares so much about doing that. He cares so much about thrilling you. I mean, I'll never forget even like Shutter Island, that helicopter shot of the with the score like rising, rising, rising as the Jeep is driving in through the, open, through the gates. Mm-hmm. And stuff. I almost stood up in the fucking movie theater with yeah. my arms in the air like he's doing it again Scorsese you started screaming cut gun at the theater you, you feel that yeah. with his movies and I guess that's like what the what the people who are going after him for saying the whole like cinema thing that he said like that should be what everyone wants is yeah. that level of like just it's just going for it and just drunkenness on the moment of it and pushing boundaries and pushing and maybe not landing every one of the swings, but my goodness, like they're alive. Oh yeah. And they, they're all alive. They all have a beating pulse of the person and his team who created them. And I, I know that it's like a very classic thing to have the, straight white dudes in their 30s oh, who cares? <laughs> raving about scorsese oh, but yeah but like come on we're also like humans. i'm not trying yeah. i'm not trying to sell you on you're, it i'm just trying to ex- i'm trying to express how he makes me yeah. feel <laughs> and, you know at least you're like you're like the alpha white dude. i'm like the beta who's like uh i'm gonna put lord of the rings on my <laughs> so that's a, that's 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 my number six maybe we'll maybe we'll, who knows there's still five more we could talk that's on the table we'll talk about him again <laughs> yeah. oh totally and like raging bull like yeah it is it's so funny like i watch it and like i said like the movie is like the fact that it did inside because like god jake lamada like i just i'm not gonna lie he was evil what an evil man but he's also very dumb like it's not his fault he's, entirely he's interesting isn't it oh totally it's a and and you like, could be a bad person and be interesting oh totally and like and that's like, like I said, like, it's a great, like, I almost wanted to make a section for this episode where it was, like, movies that, like, make me mad, but, like, I respect them because they make me mad or something, where it's, like, because it's, like, a type, like I said, it's, like, the type of thing where, like, 
a movie I know that the movie is good because it in like I inspired that rage in me, which yeah. very rarely happens. Like in like a good a good type uh, of rage. A response is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. But it's still and if I watched it again, I'd probably I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, um, it's fine. Yeah. yeah um, uh here we go. Top five. Yeah, top five. Uh for me, cabaret. Mm, oh wow. Five. I love Cabaret. What a good fucking movie. Uh, it's perfect. It rules. Uh, I love uh, Joel Grey as the master of ceremony. Just a weird, un- un- unnerving uh, individual. Some of the best songs in cinema might be my... Uh, it's, yeah, it is 100% my favorite musical. I don't have any other musicals on the list. Uh, <laughs> and it's also another example of a movie that just ends on such a sour note and like... Um, that moment uh, in the park where like the little boy is like singing like uh, this happy song about being a proud German or whatever and you look down and he has like a little Nazi insignia and it's like oh fuck we're going a down a dark <laughs> like <laughs> and you're 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 describing the film uh, Jojo Rabbit right now right yeah yeah no that's my favorite movie of all time yeah. number one Jojo Rabbit uh, <laughs> the only movie with a, a manic pixie dream mom very weird I thought you were gonna say manic pixie dream Hitler. <laughs> Manic Pixie Dream Hitler. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh well, Elizabeth. You know. Ber- yeah, I love Elizabeth Berg when uh, yeah, Orlando Bloom falls in love with Hitler. Um, but uh, yeah, I-, I mean the Bob Fosse movies. Like, I mean, my favorite is all that jazz, mm. and um, that was a near, near, near maker for this list for me. As yeah, well, but uh, but yeah. I mean, I've, I've also seen Cabaret just like a dozen times, and I'll see it a dozen more times. Yeah, just one of my all time favorites. Uh, also, one I watch with the family sometimes. Okay, there we go. Uh, uh, my next film, uh, number five, mm-hmm. out of the country Italy, mm-hmm. uh, from the year 1960. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Federico Fellini's La Dolce Vita. Oh. Uh, this is my favorite Fellini film. Uh, hell. Based on the way my list has gone thus far, I'm sure you're all surprised you haven't seen eight and a half on the list. Seriously, for you, this one, but La Dolce Vita is actually my favorite. Um, I just find it to be just this thrilling, whirling dervish kitchen sink of a movie. Just everything out there from the opening shots of Jesus Christ being carried on a helicopter through Rome <laughs> and <pretty> onward. <laughs> um, uh, Marcello Mastroianni you know with his sunglasses and his cool suits um just kind of the entire vibe of it the life of it um yeah, i first saw it at a revival screening in seattle uh maybe 05 06 um with uh, actually uh alongside our previous guest karina wolf <laughs> um she was there too i remember oh, cool. we both walked out and we we're like that was freaking incredible and it's just a movie that's stuck with me ever since i just think um yeah i just think it's just it, it it's a real marvel and i think um i would encourage you know it seems like you know, they just put out Criterion, just put out a wonderful essential Fellini box set. Uh, Fellini does not seem as hip right now, mm-hmm. uh, but I would encourage people to go watch him. His movies are really wild and interesting and really unique and one of a kind. And if you like Scorsese, uh, check out Fellini, <laughs> if you, which sounds weird to say, but I guess Fellini is 100 and has been dead for a long time. So if we have some younger listeners, maybe they are not as hip to Fellini's work. 
Uh, with Dolce Vita is a fine starting point. I go with eight and a half. You can go with La Strada, um, EVT Aloni. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah but, uh, but yeah, with Dolce Vita. Awesome. I've never, I need to watch Fellini. I've never seen a Fellini film. Another one for the, the old need to see. Uh, number four for me is uh, a movie that originally was my number one, but then get this, watched it this morning. I put it down to number four. Oh my God, Shrek 2, this is it. Yeah, this is it, Shrek 2. It's uh, Shrek Forever After. Uh, you know, originally I thought it was like the unsung gem of Shrek, the Shrek series. Uh, Walt Dorn's performance as uh, Rumpelstiltskin is, uh, no, God, I can't keep that up. Uh, Amadeus! <laughs> Oh, wow. Number four is Milos Forman's Amadeus. This was for the longest time my favorite movie. I loved this uh, movie. Um, what happened? Uh, you know what? I watched it and I saw some other movies uh, this week and I was like, you know what? This movie's still great, but these other movies I think are a little, uh, just a little deeper and, uh, and I like them just a little more. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's just like, it was like a gut choice. Like, I think the thing too is this. Uh, maybe it was because I was watching the director's cut, but it just felt a little longer. Like, like in a, like it wasn't like. Um, I thought it didn't overstay its welcome, and that everything wasn't like great in it. But it just felt like it could have been like maybe like if it was like fifteen minutes tighter, maybe it would have like gotten up to number three or number two. Uh, but uh, it has like my tree, my a trio of my three favorite performances. Actually, you know, maybe four. Like, because uh, the three principal leads. F. Murray Abraham, uh, Elizabeth Barrage, uh, Tom Hulse, Holcher? Yep. Tom Hulse, Hulse good. Hulse. Uh, and like, as we all know, uh, F. Murray Abraham recently of uh, Scarface. Yeah, R.I.P. R- 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 uh, yeah. But uh, uh, did not, man. did not, terrible <laughs> death. <laughs> oh, yeah, very bad. Yeah, hey, you know what? Guy was kind of a jerk, though, so it all worked out. Here's uh, what happens when you try and steal from Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> be so great if halfway through uh, he gets hung from a helicopter (laughs) like where'd this helicopter come it's like 17th century first first you get the money (laughs) then you get the women then you get the power and then you get the concertos (laughs) yeah then you can get the little uh coated sugar brandy balls you love oh man i love him eating candy like a weird freak uh like the you know his rotted teeth mirroring his rotted soul. Uh, they're just each of the performances are perfectly casted. Their performances are so good in this movie, in my opinion, that it like almost like I think it ruined all their careers. Like I think they were all so perfect in those roles that it was almost like you can't even. It's it can like, happen. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's like it's like it's almost like a uh, they couldn't have been. It's like hard to not picture them as anything else, but. Uh, F. Murray Abraham as Salieri, just like uh, his, oh god, like his whole quest to like ruin Mozart, uh, his uh, his just um, his beef with God, uh, him proclaiming himself the uh, king of the me- of the mediocrities at the end. Uh, what a killer! What a killer moments. Uh, Tom Holtz, see, I love his scream because, like, I have an annoying laugh, so like, I, I empathize with that kid. Like, hey, I see myself with this guy. <laughs> I too have an annoying laugh. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Barrage is like under uh, under. I think her uh, she doesn't get enough praise for her performance too. She's so great as like the weird like 
Mozart's lover. Uh, what a great, everything's just great. Like the, the art, uh, the, uh, the cinematography is beautiful. The, um, the stages, all the, yeah. uh, all the uh, performances are excellent. Uh, God, I love them. Uh, the particularly like when they do Don Giovanni, like I studied like a lot of like uh, opera in college and, uh, I just love when they show Don Giovanni and kind of make that connection where like, yeah, like uh, Salieri is like, yeah, this guy is like Don Giovanni's father. And what's interesting too about that opera is like uh, Don Giovanni, like uh, he, uh, like I th- I'm pretty sure he like, uh, he, he rapes the daughter of that general or whatever. Uh, and then the general, I forget if Don Giovanni kills him or if he di- he dies but then the ghost comes back to take drag Don Giovanni to hell. But the ghost also gives Don Giovanni the chance to like, uh, you know, kind of like forgive himself to atone himself. Like if he apologizes, he won't get dragged to hell and Don Giovanni like refuses to apologize. And so his like stubbornness forces, it essentially causes him to get dragged to hell. And, uh, you know, uh, having that like parallel uh, in the movie with the char- actual character uh, is like excellent. I don't know. Great movie. I love it. Uh, yeah, ten out of ten. Would see and just I, yeah, I can watch that movie forever. I, 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 that would be one of my like uh, island movies. Uh, Milos Forman, one of the one of the great directors. Yes. If you ask me, um, it's interesting thing about Amadeus. Before we move on, is that um, what struck me as a movie that um, mm-hmm. the people who like were passionate it was like a lot of people's favorite movie yeah which is really interesting to me because it doesn't seem like the expected choice of like a lot but a lot of people i've run into over the years that's like their favorite movie interesting that's so funny i think it's because it's like um you know what it's like one of those movies that's like really big and epic but it's also like it's not like uh it's like two degrees away from like a godfather or a citizen kane but the emotions are um and kind of the human choices in it are mm-hmm. very like easy to, despite the fact that the movie is, you know, you know, period piece about music that not a lot of people really have dug too deep into in the modern era. Um, like the human moves are easily identifiable and yeah. watchable. You know, yeah. it is a morality play like the Godfather. Oh, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my number four is from the year 1966. Mm-hmm. Out of the country, Sweden. Oh, hell yeah. And it's the film is Persona from Ingmar Bergman. Mm. Um, absolute mind blower. Yep. I mean, just uh, another one. I, I I just think about this movie to this day all the time. And I've seen it many, many times. I couldn't believe it the first time I saw it. I couldn't believe how audacious it was. I mean, like to me, like you watch it now, and you're just like, Jesus these movies today are so safe. This movie right. is wild. And it's just, and, it, and Bergman is just, he's firing on his own. I think Bergman is, um, and this is the second Bergman appearance out of what could have, I mean, there could be, I mean, right up next after this, these two for me, I, I love Winter Light is a big film for me. Um, and, you know, down the line, you know, Bergman has dozens yeah. of movies. I think Bergman is the greatest um you know, uh, we don't want to use the word great, but he's my favorite um, screenwriter. Oh, wow. Of all time. Um, he's, 
I just think what he's kind of uncovering. I heard this thing Orson Welles said the other day, and it was like he Orson Welles said uh, he he just couldn't relate to anything in Bergman's films. And I just was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, because Orson Welles is kind of the ultimate American. Yeah. And the level of like <laughs> existential depression that Americans will not allow themselves to um, look at, look at. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. That Bergman like lives in that zone. Oh man. Completely. Yeah. And I mean, I feel very comfortable in that zone too. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll never see uh, Orson Welles uh, feeling uh, super depressed and then you'll never see Ingmar Bergman uh, doing a VO for a, a peas commercial. Yeah, or just in general, like, like the the broad scale um, extroverted showmanship mm-hmm. of Wells. I mean, there, like, I mean, this is the glory of film: mm-hmm. is that you can have a master who's like Wells and a master who's like Bergman, and they're not all that alike. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, there's a yeah. hard, I mean, all these filmmakers that we've mentioned in this top 10, they're very, very different, even though they're using the same art form and the same medium to get things across. But I just think Persona is, you know, as we get further in the list, you know, Persona, Dolce Vita, Contempt, Stalker, mm-hmm. The Red Line, La Collection News. I mean, these are movies, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, even. Um, I've seen many times, mm-hmm. but I still feel I'm like kind of, um, processing right and i think that the process is going to be endless Mm -hmm. which is you know as we go forward the next my top three kind of i think epitomize this idea that i think i understand it but maybe i don't but who cares (laughs) and i feel like because i like the the mystery and the journey of it so damn much and yeah, Persona is just like, every time I see it, I just like, oh my God. And like, I remember, you know, go listen to Joe Dante and Josh Olson's podcast, The Movies That Made Me. Mm-hmm. But Joe shared a story like recently. Basically, there's this moment in Persona where one of the, there's, it's about two women who are at this house. And one of the women tells a very, very uh, sexually explicit story to the other woman. And Joe thought it was so vivid that, he saw the movie and then didn't see it for a couple of years. And then when he watched it again, he was shocked because um, he thought they showed it and it was just the story, but the, because the story is so enthralling and the way Bergman shoots her telling the story and the other woman listening to the story that you're just like, I saw it. I know. I thought I saw that, you know? And it's like, what? Oh, how powerful, right? Jesus. That is very and- intense. Yeah, and I mean, Lee Volman and Bibi Anderson are the two uh, women who are um, playing the nurse and the actress. And, um, you know, they're obviously they are legends of the Bergman Stock Company. Um, and they're, these are my two favorite. Although Bibi Anderson is effervescent and alive and wild strawberries. These are my, and Lee Volman is fire and passion and scenes from a marriage. These are my two, these, these are my favorites of theirs. And oddly enough, um, Bergman dated Bibi Anderson and moved on to date Lee Volman shortly thereafter. Wow. Um, and yeah, he saw a photograph of them and thought they looked like it. it's another film about doubling and um, 
you know, doppelgangers, which is so cinematic and so fascinating to me. I mean, I, I wanted to do it on one of my short films, but it's like when you're working on a budget, it's very, very difficult to find two actresses who um, look that much alike, who will also work for free. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, it just, it's just, this, this film is infinite to me. And it's, I, yeah, I can't, it's my, my favorite Bergman film, which is saying something because, I mean, Bergman is a filmmaker who, uh, yeah, he's going to start as one of the best of all yeah, time. Yeah, he's just one I constantly return to over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about a lot, you know, the point where, you know, just, you know, be like, Bergman did this. It's like, yeah, that's like a 105-year-old dude who's been dead for 15 years or whatever. But, I mean, I was very sad. I was, I remember where I was when I found out he passed away. Oh, I mean, you that's know, nice. He, he's, he's meant a lot to me for a long time. Nice. Um, and Persona is my favorite of his films. So uh, moving on, number three, go for it. Oh man, number three, uh, it's uh, Ron. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite Akira Kurosawa. It's uh, just a uh, film that is uh, very sad, incredibly sad, incredibly epic in scope. Uh, beautiful, one of the most beautiful movies ever made. Uh, so many great, like, you know, the way that, like, um, uh, the Thin Red Line, the way that, uh, I guess I said Manuel Lubezki, is that his, uh, uh, John John Toll shot. Oh, John Toll, duh, duh, my bad, my bad. He's worth was... he's worked with uh, Lubeski, um later on, I think, multiple like... times later on. Yeah. yeah, 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 like the one Night of Cups and all that. Yeah, 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 like uh, New World onward, basically New uh, World through uh, Song to Song. Right, 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 right. Um, but the way that like um, Thin Red Line will like linger on like a uh, like a. a a bird, uh, an egg being hatched while there's war happening. Like, um, you know, uh, Akira Kurosawa will have these, like, um, you know, these conversations interspersed with these beautiful shots of cloud formations or uh, the vistas of uh, Japan, you know, these, like, these grass plains, these Japanese grass, like, really grassy hills. Um, the performance by uh, Tatsuya Nakadai as the uh, as uh, Hidetora as the uh, you know like I, I guess it's like you know the films there because I guess it's like a riff on King Lear. It's not exactly yeah. doesn't follow it entirely, but their version of King Lear, it's so good and it's uh, I love you know I think the transformation in this is just as harrowing as the transformation, like it almost is like Brundle esque, like the fly esque. In the sense that, like, he he seems to age so much over the course of this, uh, the, like, two and a half or nearly three hours this film lasts. Um, as he, like, you know, as uh, all of his horrible, all the horrible things he did to gain his kingdom ultimately, like, backfire on him and ruin his life. Uh, uh there are just a bunch of great performances in it. I love uh, the fool Peter. Uh, that's a character that originally at first I was like, this is, I remember watching it as a kid and being like, I don't know how I like, but like this time around, it's just so 
it's such a bummer like uh them chasing each other like through these like um broken castles um also the the battle sequence like like at the almost like i guess like the third third of the way through the film it makes the saving private ryan opening sequence look like a fucking turd man it's <laughs> it's so fucking good it's one of the best it's so it's so intense but here's the thing it's intense and it's brutal but it's still artistically like it doesn't sacrifice uh aesthetic quality it's like it's 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 simultaneously um awe-inspiring just the scope um terrifying and horrifying just brutal and then um and then just like also beautiful like the way that like blood spatters in his films is so gorgeous i don't know and then you have those beautiful moments where like uh when uh the bro like um everyone's uh you know kind of like getting closer and closer towards uh the king and like all his like his fucking like uh concubines are killing each other ah it's just i don't know it's one of those movies uh that's uh stuck with me forever uh, i love it oh. uh yeah watch ron there we go that's yeah it. no i mean uh his late career transition to color no oh, it's so vivid and kind of the run ron kagamusha dreams very very strong stuff obviously i mean like yeah. bergman i mean one of the premier filmmakers of all time bring yeah bring back um, color baby yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring back color, please, people. Bring this back is color. this is this this is a. I think this is a movement that's good. That's coming on the horizon. Is people oh, yeah. want color? I want. <laughs> I want. I want the scene to be as vibrant as John Travolta's shirts in "Look Who's Talking Now." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Use that as your palette. Um. My my number three, uh, 1978, at the United States of America, Days of Heaven. Directed by Terrence Malick. Yes, folks, that oh, is yeah. the third Terrence Malick film in my top 25. Your leading, boy loves Malick. Leading the pack. Uh, Days of Heaven is the, um, I think it's the greatest American film. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've seen it a billion times. Uh, it was the first film I watched after my daughter was born recently. Um, it, yeah, it just... It just, it, I just find it to be an overwhelming film and just kind of capture just this, I don't know, it's, it's, a myster- it's a mysterious quality that it has. It's, you know, both this, like, kind of small-scale love triangle, but also kind of everything and more. I mean, the scene where the, the field burns just is great in your head. The music, the Marconi score, the kind of uh, mystery of it, the Linda Mance's, um, voiceover you know uh, he, he did it twice this and of course uh cc spacex voiceover in um badlands of kind of the naive innocent who's kind of describing things but doesn't really see the big picture of what's going on but just the tragedy of it they set the sadness to sam shepherd's eyes as he's watching things as the farmer um Brooke Adams, who I think is really incredible in the film, kind of choosing between her and Gear, Gear and um, Shepard. Gear, I think, is really good. Uh, apparently, Malik uh, at first wanted Travolta oh, for the wow. role. Wow. You know, Malik was very impressed with Travolta, which actually led to Travolta being in uh, Thin Red Line. Oh, um, cool. But I just, I mean, I guess, you know, this kind of comes down to this feeling of like these, these are the movies of your life. 
Mm-hmm. If you love movies, I guess. Like, you know, I mean, we have had guests. We've talked to people who are, are not as enthralled by this form. But when you are and you find these ones that really kind of like, you know, it's like the way you're describing Amadeus too. Um, that kind of overtake you. Yeah. In a way. Um, and take you to a different place. Take you to a different feeling. Take, you know, like every time Days of Heaven ends, I'm just like, I, I feel like the the riddle of it and the mystery of it and kind of the, the beauty of it opens up to me again like I'd never seen it before, even though I've seen it dozens of times at this point. And I remember, um, I don't think I'm talking to out of school. I had it years ago. I had the chance to have drinks with the filmmaker David Gordon Green in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him and I had a few friends who did not love Days in Heaven. And I wanted to genuinely ask him, like, I'm like trying to make films with these people. What do you think? And I'm like, you know, they don't like Days of Heaven. And he like almost spat out his beer and goes, who are you hanging out with, man? And I always appreciated that about him. <laughs> he was, and, he, uh, he, and then his next thing he said, which you'll like is um, next, you're going to tell me they didn't like Scarecrow. Which, <laughs> you know. That's that you know. That's where it goes. And cool, cool dude alert. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool dude. Nice Hell guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. great taste. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, the listeners know. I love yeah. Days of Heaven, and you know, it. Yeah, it. It means it's a movie that means a lot to me. I need to. Uh, that's another one I have to. Fuck. I gotta see it. I will watch it. Yeah, because it's like, and I, and I think that like I'm also someone who believes that like Richard Gere is like an underrated actor, like. He's been so good in so many movies. Uh, a lot of recent ones too. Like I loved him in Arbitrage, but a weird. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I think he was one of those guys who may have been um, um, underestimated because he was so pretty. Yeah, you know that happens. Yeah, uh, kind of deemed a lightweight due to that. A hundred percent. I feel like yeah. I feel like some people get like it's like yeah they get they're too pretty for their own good. Mm-hmm. And hobbles yeah. him a tad, which is a bummer. But uh, yeah, good, 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 great actor, great, great movie. Uh, number two, uh, man, this is gonna give me guff. I can already feel it. Uh oh, guff, guff alert, guff alert. Yeah, uh, you know what? At least it ain't Shrek, folks. At least it's not Shrek. Uh, it's uh, you know, I have to be true to myself. I have to be my deepest, darkest, like you know, and maybe like. This will get this movie will probably get lower as time goes on, but it's like uh, for the longest time it was probably one of the most important fucking movies in my life because I was a fucking dumbass nerd. Uh, Star Wars, like oh yeah, that's fine, dude. Yeah, I know, but it's just it's so lame. But uh, I lo- I love like it's like um it's one of those movies that uh it inspires you to create or inspired me to create stuff. I think like I don't know. Any artistic inklings or desires originally stemmed from this film for me. Like any desire to like create anything or create a world. When I was a kid, I would like literally like make Star Wars action figures out of paper and cut them out and play with them. And I read all the books and I and that led me to like you know I, I wouldn't be as interested in like real history had <laughs> I not read a bunch of fucking you know books about Star Wars and then been like hmm, maybe instead of like reading books about like a fake world maybe i should read books about a real the real world earth 
Yeah, maybe I should. The 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 due diligence. I think. Time ago, at a far, far away. How about right now? Yeah. What about right now? What about right now, my man? Yeah. Or what about the freaking 1900s or something? But uh, <laughs> 1800s. But uh, you know, I, I love it or hate it. Uh, it's gonna be just one of those movies that for I forever like. And it's like it's like fuck, man. It's like I'm like a a baby duck, and uh, I saw Star Wars at the right time, and I imprinted it. Imprinted. I think Star Wars is my mommy. Like it's like one of those things. You're not alone. Yeah, I'm not alone. And it's uh, like, yeah, but uh, and, but it's not number two. It's only number two. It's not number one. But uh, I yeah, but I can't uh, yeah. But it's you know, that's it. There we go. There's an, enough's been said about it. We all know it. Why yeah. it's good. Okay. Yeah, I am. I, um, I respect George Lucas's creation, and I respect mm-hmm. him as a creator, and I think um, a real visionary. Yeah, yeah. on the level, Cam- you know, in the same vein, Cameron is. Um, for some reason, uh, never. It never like got me. That's totally fair. I think, well, um, I th- and I'm not trying to be like contrarian. No, here. that's fine. I, 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 th- I respect them. I don't hate them. I don't think they're bad yeah. by any means. Like I just, um, you know, we were shown those, and we were shown Indiana Jones when Ooh, we were kids, and I liked Indiana. I liked Indiana Jones more. I could relate more to the Indiana Jones adventures. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you're definitely a person who I think is like, you're like a. Give me real before uh, before fake, and it, which is like I'm totally fine. Like that's not a uh, that's I think that's an intru- I think that's just your style. I think everyone. Yeah, has- I mean, like when it comes to sci-fi for me, like I am very big fan of like sad existential guys floating in space movies. Oh yeah, like your Solaris is your uh, Steven Sodenberg Solaris is. <laughs> you know your your Interstellars, your Ad yeah. Astras. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. The, yeah, and don't forget event the most uh, the most existential of all movies, Event Horizon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, the existential but romp. interesting, we've we've got a very nice um, segue here to my number two. Oh hell yeah! Which uh, from 1968, um, I'm calling it a UK film. You could call mm-hmm. it a US film though, if you wanted to. Which is uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. Two of all time yeah. um yeah this was a masterpiece yeah. i think i think stanley kubrick is my favorite director mm-hmm. um i mentioned bergman was my favorite writer kubrick is my favorite director um it's shocking to me that there aren't more kubrick movies mm-hmm. in my top 25 um but at the end of the day though i think that 2001 stands head and shoulders above the, i think they're all like truly great movies that he i think all all of his movies are truly great um i think he's got the highest batting average of pretty much any filmmaker yeah um but 2001 is like it's still a jaw-dropping film i mean go see it and it's go see it in 70 millimeter when 
movie theaters reopen that it tour that those prints tour around. I know that they do. Um, if you're not in Los Angeles, um, this is, this is an astonishing film and it remains an astonishing film. And again, like a lot of the other ones, I've, I, I'm not entirely certain what it's saying <laughs> at times, yeah. but at the same time, I don't care. Like I'm in it. I've got my theories on it, but the glory of it is that there is no definitive answer. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the best thing. I mean, you know, we have not mentioned, you know, we, I don't, it doesn't sound like there's a David Lynch movie on either of our lists, mm. but you know, his movies are probably like a pinnacle of that kind of feeling. of like, I've got some ideas, but I'm never going to know for sure. And I love the mystery. I really, really love the mystery of it. I mean, you can come up with like theories and that kind of thing, but there's no like, there's no true answer, mm-hmm. you know, which is great boy, because that just makes you want to continue to hang with it and continue to be there and continue to feel it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I like a newer movie that, and like, I remember spouting off this movie's not on my list, but Paul Thomas Anderson's film Inherent Vice. Mm. I was at the New Beverly right before they closed, seeing it again. And I was like, setting up to someone, I'm like, I don't even think the Shasta character is ever real. I think she's a figment of Doc's imagination after the first scene. Oh, I don't think she ever comes back. I, just, <laughs> I saw that movie uh, on a plane and I had not slept the night before. And it was like in the middle of like an eight hour flight. And I think that was like the perfect way to watch that movie. You know, 36 hours awake on a plane. Mm-hmm. You can sort of only barely hear what's happening. Uh, man, what a what a dreamy film. Man. I, 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 I love it. Love that film. Oh, it's great. And uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, also great. Like the fucking the scene when Hal is slowly shutting down. Uh, just beautiful and unnerving. I don't know. Well, listen. the way I mean, when he goes to the when he goes through the space warp and ends up in the room with the monolith and is like in jump cuts aging. Oh yeah. There like it's Yeah, it looks like he's like on Rainbow Road. I mean, again, it's like another thing where it's like we still have not really caught up to what was being presented in this film. Oh like yeah. there's been tries. Mm-hmm. People have attempted it, but it's just so next level what's still to this day mm-hmm. what's happening. And the fact that so many people went and saw it. Like like have faith in your audiences. Like 2001 yeah. was one of the 10 biggest grossing movies of the year it came out. And it's bizarre. It is a bizarre movie. Oh, it's so weird. It's like, and there's like no main characters. There's no like, which is great. Like it's You're like, not we're... led into anything humanizing oh, no. in the thing, like individually humanizing. I think, mm-hmm. hu- I think it actually is humanizing in a um, cosmic sense oh yeah <laughs> but, I, I, I see i'll always remember i think my favorite part of that movie actually so they have one scene with the the, the uh, robot sing howl sing daisy daisy obviously yeah. great but then that one moment where like the music is swelling the 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 ominous music while they're like they're like uh trying to take a picture like they're mm. trying to moving her. oh god that's like one of those moments always just like uh they're doing something as innocuous as like trying to pose properly for a photograph while the like it sounds sounds like the gates of hell are opening oh man it's really um yeah I mean, it's still yeah it's still got it so yeah. here we are folks number one finally made it 
number one. Patrick, oh, what's your number one film? Uh, okay, this is so funny. This was originally my number four, but then I watched it again with along with uh, Amadeus, and I flipped them because I was so impressed by the. Like, I was more impressed by this movie than I than I had been watching it recently. My number one film, uh, P.T. Anderson's Boogie Nights, baby. Oh wow! That is my number one. Very movie. cool. I fucking love that movie. It is like uh, I talk about. I've said a couple times that there, you know, a lot of movies on my list are like perfect films. This is like perfect beyond perfect. This is like a movie where literally everything works. Every character you're invested in on some level. Every character is played perfectly. Uh, everything is perfectly visualized. Uh, everything is paid off. Uh, you get that like dark ending, but then there's also hope, like just the right amount of hope. It's not like bullshit hope. Uh, nothing feels saccharine and yet everything feels like, uh, but it, there's compassion and like, there's like this thing, you know, it's crazy how this little, this movie could have been slow, sleazy and bitter, but it's so vibrant and filled with life and all these people end up forming this fucked up family, uh, you know, with the exception of, I guess, little Bill, I would not a, not, a tragedy. Good member, not a good member of the family. Uh, but, uh, oh, man, it's just one of those oh, He's a humanist at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, that's oh. the thing about Paul Thomas Anderson. I think that's the reason why he connects so much with so many people yeah. with his films. He's a complete and utter humanist. Oh, man, and it's like, for me, it's like, yeah, like, this. Is, he is like, yeah, when you say humanist, it's like, yeah, it's almost like he is like a modern-day Capra or something where, like, like, only he could, like have a scene where like uh don Cheadle uh survives the shootout and gets the bag of money so he can open up his like little uh stereo store and it doesn't feel stupid or like uh, like you're so you're rooting for don Cheadle. you're like yes take the money uh i, I just i get so happy watching it so many movies i watch are dour and like depressed and i love feeling dour and depressed like i fucking i love bathing but i also like you know Maybe it's just because of the times we live in, but fuck, man. Like, I love, like, a, a good a movie. I like a movie that's both, like, good and, like, like just, like, legit. Like, yeah, it's, like, a capital A art, but it's also not, like, a fucking, like, like not, not all art has to be, like, the point of life is nothing matters in your shit. It, it is, like, there is this edge to it that they're heading in the 80s, so cocaine's not going to disappear. No. And AIDS is on the horizon. Oh, the, uh, and that's all there. 100%. In the eight, probably in their futures. But and yeah. that, that, but it, but at least it ends with like, uh, like I don't know, it, like there's like some justice. Like mm-hmm. there is like you know like the creep ends up getting owned in prison. The, <sighs> the which is maybe that's not the right type of justice. Maybe that's me being a little bitter or something. But like I don't know. Like I like I remember seeing that and being like, oh, that kind of that's great. Um, what a great perform! What a thankless performance, too. What a ah, my colonel. God, the colonel. I'm trying to remember that act. Rod, Ron Edgerly, Robert Ridgely, Ridgely, Robert Ridgely, uh, who was a um, who who passed away, like right before, right after they finished filming it, and was like a um, drinking buddy of Paul Thomas Anderson's dad. Wow, interesting. He's great. And, yeah, because they were all like part of this like like 1960s dude old boys club together <laughs> but i mean what he cares about is um in all of his movies is like the building the fracturing and then the rebuilding of family yeah 
pretty much is all and the desire to love and to be loved. He's uh, as hard on his sleeve emotional as anybody. And that's what makes those, I mean, even, even something as a little more eccentric as inherent vice. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think I find the film heartbreaking because it's a movie about having your heart broken and wanting to, you know, to feel that again, whether that's for individual person or an era. Right. And, you know, and then, but the one happy ending in that film is he brings Owen Wilson's family back together again in his victory. Mm -hmm. He makes one little family happy, which makes the character a hero. (laughs) <laughs> oh hell yeah yeah oh man uh but uh yeah also like the fact that he made that movie it, like i feel like salieri watching it too because like you made that at 26 fuck you you asshole like <laughs> i say that- you, you can also feel that because the glory about that and magnolia is that they're immature too yeah like they're both mature because they're so like he's so virtuistic as a mm-hmm. filmmaker but they're immature because his emotions and feelings are those of a young person who has not been hardened. Yeah. Which like is he's like, raw. They're raw because mm, of that. A hundred percent. And like, uh, yeah. And it allows for a type of hurt that maybe isn't like, uh, yeah, it's a little more open than a film. Like there will be blood. Or it, well, I, mean, I have a feeling he'd even say it was embarrassing. You today. know what? Uh, but... and, and not 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 in a negative way oh totally it would it would just he'd feel like boy i was gotta put myself out there oh yeah no because i think about i think about improv sets i've done where like i say like something about my real life and it as a, as a bit and it's like why did i do that that like i need to keep that on the inside but uh yeah i don't know it's like i think it's like a perfect movie like um yeah this and amadeus if i was stuck on an island i could take any of these movies and just like watch it over and over again uh i want to there's no place i want to be more in any place in cinema than at that one moment where everyone's dancing on the stage together in unison jesus christ i watched that uh, maybe it's because it's like covid but it's like fuck like well, i think um <laughs> i want to be there i know we said scarface that the best things are going well montage but Boogie yeah. Nights things are going well montage um is pretty darn good too yeah and that, yeah. and that's it let's uh, give me your number one sir okay my number one Um, so I saw this movie in a Italian cinema course. Oh, that's cool. At the University of Washington. Um, and I think is either 03 or 04. Mm. When the movie finished, I said to myself, I did not say this out loud, but I said it to myself, this is the greatest movie of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. I have never wavered on it since then Holy every shit. time i see it it feels to me as if it's the complete statement of what i am interested in mm-hmm. seeing and doing and experiencing in filmic art it's uh beautiful to look at um it explains next to nothing it's quite haunting it's a, a pretty strident critique of the bourgeoisie Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's on the political end of it. Um, it's very, very formal in its cinematography and style. And the movie is directed by Michelangelo Antonioni. Ooh. And it is called La Ventura. Wow. And 
uh, it's a movie that I have the, the posters up in our bedroom. Nice. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a movie I think about and it has just, so it, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a difficult to entirely explain how one has like reacts to these things. But, um, and this is a very, very, as with many of the others, toward the top mysterious film. Um, in essence, it's the story of this um, group of rich people in Italy who go on a boat trip. Uh, there's a woman and her boyfriend and the woman's friend, Anna. Or no, I'm forgetting, sorry. Monica Vitti is the actress who plays her. And uh, she's not as from the upper crust in the same way. But she gets invited. They go on this boat trip. It's kind of... Everyone's kind of bougie. Everyone's kind of sexual. But, you know, it's all they're also kind of bored. They stop at this island. In the, I believe in the Mediterranean. And um, they get out. They walk around. And then um, the actress has ostensibly been the lead, kind of like the re- leading beautiful rich woman, disappears. Oh. And they search for her, uh, the boyfriend and her friend, Monica Vitti, who's, they're all looking for her. They can't find her. They leave the island, they go back. They, you know, they're going to go to the cops, the missing persons thing. But then, um, Slowly but surely, the two of them become a little bit closer, and slowly but surely, um, the story of the missing person is forgotten, and it doesn't. It turns out it doesn't matter at all, mm. and they never find her, and they kind of stop looking for her, and she kind of recedes from their minds because they're so self-absorbed that she just kind of disappears. Oh God. And it's like Psycho in a sense where it kind of switches like that into who the leading characters are and that kind of thing. But it does it in this profound, mysterious way. And then um, they end up in a relationship together, the friend and the boyfriend. But the boyfriend is this like really, really repressed um, architect who wants to be an artist but he's a total sellout who just needs the money and slow and slowly but surely realize he's going to end up cheating again. And it's just continues to take these turns toward um, just it's, it's very bad behavior, but it's not like an American sense of bad behavior. It's because it's more just kind of matter of fact and a little more like Antonioni is so kind of hands off and he just makes it feel like this is just kind of the way modernity is. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's, it's very complicated. It was booed heavily when it played the Cannes film festival when it came oh, out. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, I mean, I know that like kind of in the world cinema scene, like it for a time, it was like a major player in the sight and sound pole, but right. it's kind of receded in a way. Um, and I think kind of because it, a lot of people's taste these days, kind of chilly modernity has not, um, it's a little too, especially I think for younger film fans, um, younger film fans really want to feel. 
and really want to like be emotionally engaged and like something like i think like it's almost reflected a bit in some of the movies in your list where you really want to like be with the character yeah and kind of be on and this is the characters are icy mm. icy as hell in this and it's you know some would consider it a boring watch probably but and i remember <laughs> there was this bro in my class who was like wasn't wasn't any nudity (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that was the first time i ever felt like a film snob i was like fuck you Uh, i was like lieutenant colonel frank slade and fuck you too (laughs) (laughs) get the fuck out of this class Uh, we're gonna watch italian art films Um, (laughs) but i just it's always I don't know um, what it is. I think you just kind of have to lean into these feelings. Yeah. Of um. And yeah, I mean, it's just this is this is all. I don't imagine. I know that there was a time where, you know, any of the my two through four could have challenged it. I think. And I think too, I think you can make an or I think I can make a nice argument for two thousand one or Days of Heaven, or Persona. Mm-hmm to have that number one slot but um yeah Ventura's held on to it for almost 15 years <laughs> so um and i don't know i don't say it changing and you know just talking about it right now i feel like i have not seen it for a few years so i'm gotta watch it again i, I mean i'm hungry to watch all of these films i'm hungry to watch your films oh. and uh and the and mine i hope um you know so those you know, <laughs> thank you for well, for hanging out with us for, I think it's going to turn out to be <laughs> closing in on four hours. So oh, yeah, this is our, definitely enjoy, our longest step. And enjoy it over the weekend. You know, you can space it out. There's, um, I hope that um, this can provide some interesting conversation. And if I'd love to hear, um, you know, check us out on Twitter. And if you want to send us some messages on what your lists would be, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what some of the listeners uh, favorites are. If, you know don't tell us we're full of shit just tell us what you like (laughs) yeah yeah you know and like uh you know just if you're gonna tell us if we missed a movie be polite about it just be like you know yeah i mean like yeah just like uh sir i think you should have included uh alvin and the chipmunks the road ship like you know i I want yeah i mean a passionate positive take yeah We're, we're 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 way way into those so we'll um we hope you enjoy it hope you enjoyed the long weekend um we'll be posting text versions of the lists on the Twitter feed, as well as, um, you know, we mentioned a few of them mm. as we we're going uh, some personal favorites that may not have uh, made these lists. And next Tuesday, we're diving back into your uh, regularly scheduled Academy Academy programming. I believe it is uh, cruising and uh, Serpico. Oh, that'll be so fun. that, that uh, wonderful matchup. We got to, really great guests lined up so uh thank you all for listening this has been quite a bit of fun thank you for sharing your list patrick uh thank you for sharing your list on and we'll see y'all next time bye it's true that all the men you knew were dealers who said they were through with dealing every time you gave them shelter I know that kind of man It's hard to hold the hand of anyone Who's reaching for the sky just to surrender Who is reaching for the sky just to surrender 
And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind You find he did not leave you very much Not even laughter Like any dealer He was watching for the card That is so high and wild He'll never need to deal another He was just some Joseph looking for a manger He was just some Joseph looking for a manger And then leaning on your windowsill He'll say one day you caused his will To weaken with your love and warmth and shelter And then taking from his wallet An old schedule of trains He'll say I told you when I came I was a stranger But now another stranger seems to want you To ignore his dreams as though they were the burden of some other Oh, you've seen that man before His golden arm dispatching cards But now it's rusted from the elbow to the finger And he wants to trade the game he plays for shelter Yes, he wants to trade the game he knows for shelter Oh, you hate to watch another tired man lay down his hand like he was giving up the holy game of poker And while he talks his dreams to sleep you notice there's a highway that is curling up like smoke above his shoulder It's curling just like smoke above his shoulder You tell him To come in, sit down, but something makes you turn around The door is open, you can't close your shelter You try the handle of the road, it opens Do not be afraid, it's you, my love, you who are the stranger It is you, my love, you who are the stranger Well, I've been waiting, I was sure we'd meet between the trains we're waiting for I think it's time to board another Please understand, I never had a secret chart To get me to the heart of this or any other matter Well, he talks like this, you don't know what he's after When he speaks like this, you don't know what he's after Let's meet tomorrow if you choose upon the shore Beneath the bridge that they are building on some endless river Then he leaves the platform for the sleeping car that's warm You realize he's only advertising one more shelter And it comes to you, he never was a stranger And you say, okay, the bridge or someplace later And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind You find he did not leave you very much Not even laughter Like any dealer he was watching for the card That is so high and wild He'll never need to deal another He was just some Joseph looking for a manger He was just some Joseph looking for a manger 
and leaning on your windowsill he'll say one day you caused his will to weaken with your love and warmth and shelter and then taking from his wallet an old schedule of trains he'll say I told you when I came I was a stranger I told you when I came I was a stranger I told you when I came I was a stranger